Hello and welcome to Green Pass Gaming Sunday podcast. I am your host, Flap, and today is Sunday, so that means we've got some Green Pass goodness discussing some hot topics for you tonight. Xbox-based, but friendly to all platforms, and uh, it's been a bit of a balmy summer's day or summer's weekend in the UK, currently basking in 29-degree heat in the evening. Uh, it's just gone 8 o'clock in the UK. Uh, welcome to everyone, wherever you are in the world. Um, yeah. Let's uh, let's get into this, shall we? Because uh, we've got some great topics lined up. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna have a quick look at the Xbox controller and the evolution of of where it's come from and and hopefully where it's going to. We're also gonna have a look at the Steam Deck handheld. Uh, it's been in a, in the news a hell of a lot of the, uh, lately, as you can pretty much uh, appreciate and uh, been a been a hot topic on lots of podcasts but uh, we're, we're going to cover that ourselves tonight and also just the future of xbox really um phil spencer and matt booty have mentioned that uh, they're not done spending and there are possibly more acquisitions on the way and we're just going to delve into what that could possibly look like but before we get to any of those great things let's introduce tonight's top panel and a guest and as always let's start with Puxley Puxley my friend how the devil are you congratulations are in order you got married well you actually got married two weeks ago but the ceremony was this week um yeah congratulations and welcome to the show my friend thank you very much uh and thank you to all those in chat as well because I know I thought I'd do like a little post just to kind of announce it because I know I'd mentioned it for uh, quite a few weeks now and it was going to happen and it finally happened and it was a fantastic day and obviously Flap you were there as well Hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, I had a fantastic time. It's great. No, I appreciate. I'm glad you did. And uh, yeah, thank you, Wally Jeff, for your kind words and congratulations, uh, congratulations messages. Uh, as you can probably imagine, I've been a bit of away, a bit away from the uh, the gaming news as of late. But I've been catching up over the last two days. Uh, really looking forward to what we uh, have to discuss tonight. Absolutely, and we'll be able to get our teeth into these topics. But before we do any of that, uh, we we obviously uh, we missed last week's show uh, because of the uh, well, England making it to the final of the uh, 2020 Euro Championships, which is unheard of for England. We've only ever made it to a final of a major tournament once before, and believe it or not, for for those who don't know, there's 1966 in the uh, World Cup um, at Wembley, and um, the week before, Scott was in the chair hosting Scott. How are you, my friend? Um, how, how's your week been? Thank you very much, Flap. Yeah, honestly, that feels like a lifetime ago now, doesn't it? I know it does. we, only, we only missed a week, but that final is long gone. You know, I think we're all over it now. Um, yeah, it feel, feels feels like it's been been a long time. I really missed it last week, actually. So, you know, it's a, it's a big part of my week. But otherwise, you know, this, this week's been great. I, I was just, uh, for everyone um, in the chat, I was complaining beforehand because I'm not a big fan of this weather, if I'm being completely honest with you. So uh, this weekend's been a bit of a struggle. Um, it does mean I have had the chance to get a, a little bit of gaming in though. So I'm, I'm right at the end of Yakuza at the moment. I really want to get that done yeah. before uh, Death Stores out next next week. So, yeah, yeah fingers saw, crossed. I saw that. that done. So, so you're having a great time in there, yeah? Oh, honestly, it's it's genuinely um, one of my favorite um, RPGs I've ever played. Um, I, I'd uh, easily say wow. it's, it's up there with uh, something like Final Fantasy X, which is one of my favorites of all time as well. Uh, it is, it's just really, really good but also fun it's like you know the, there's just a lot of humor in it as well which i think is something that is different to, to a lot of other rpgs so i'm on the final chapter now um so i should hopefully be able to get that done tomorrow with a bit of luck and then death stores out on tuesday so um should be just in time 
Excellent. Well, that's uh, yeah. Well, like I say, we've got uh, we've got some Game Pass uh, fantastic games coming up very soon next week yeah. and the week after as well. So obviously, our diaries and calendars are going to be very full. Definitely playing those kind of things. So yeah, now's the time to uh, to finish off any games that you're just kind of finishing up, really. I guess. But uh, fantastic, Luke, my friend. Um, had a devil of you. Um, welcome back to the show. Um, what have you been up to this week? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, great to be back. Uh, I've not been up to you that much, actually, gaming-wise. Okay. Um, I uh, I think in the two-week interval, so to speak, I finished up Ratchet & Clank uh, on the oh, okay. PS5, which yeah, I what'd you really make it loved. Up? Yeah, I really loved it. Um, I thought it was a uh, mm. fa- fantastic game, really fun. Um, <clears throat> you know, so uh, I, I kind of had a few days of, of post-game blues, as you tend to do when you really enjoy enjoy something like that. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I think probably like Scott, I've just kind of been waiting for, for Death Store uh, to come out. And then obviously, as you say, the week after we've got the Ascent and, and Omni and, you know. So, so, yeah, fl- uh, Flight Sim. Where I mean, you've obviously got Flight Sim on, yeah. your, on your 3080. What, what's your take on uh, Xbox Flight Sim? Are you going to dive back in just to have a look? Or? Uh, I think, yeah, I think I, I think I will just just purely for the for the intrigue of, of seeing it run on a on a console, you know, and seeing how, yeah. how it compares, you know, I, I have direct experience of the PC version, obviously. So it'd be really nice to, to, to look at it. What I'm really looking forward to on a tangent on that is the, the new uh, kind of engine updates that they're talking about. Um, mm-hmm. Really looking forward to seeing those because they apparently improve performance dramatically, which would be great for that game on all platforms. Um, yeah, but yeah, absolutely. and I'll be, I'm sure I'll be asking Scott um, how it performs on the Series S as well, because that's yeah. what I'm really, really interested in. That's the only reason I'm going to download it and play it is just, first of all, I just want to see what it looks like on a Series X, and then I'll probably try it for an hour on the Series S, but then that, yeah. that'll probably be it done. You know, there's so many games mm. coming out, you know, you mentioned there, The Ascent, there's also Creestales coming out soon yep. Yep. Uh, on, yep. on Game Pass as well. So yeah, I'll, I'll be sure, when, when's that out again? Is that next, not next week, but the week after? 20, is it 29th for Flight Sim? Something uh, oh, okay. something like that, yeah. It's yeah. 27th, I believe, isn't it? Yeah. 27. Cool. Perhaps we can just have a Google yeah. and just double check. Yeah, two, yeah, two no, weekends fantastic. time it should be then. I'll be able to report my findings to, to everybody. Yeah, well, it's actually been the, the topic or the centre part of a topic that we've run on this show a couple of times, actually, the, how, we, how they're going to get squeeze of the performance out of Flight Sim on the Series S. It's going to be a very interesting one. Um, moving on, and our, and our guest to the show, and it's so delighted to have him back on the show. He's got a fantastic channel. I absolutely love the videos that you cover. I really do. In fact, you do something that... I don't know. You don't really see on any other videos. You seem to cover the topics that other people just seem to miss. And um, it's always a pleasure to, to watch your videos, my friend. And uh, you've had a PC upgrade as well recently. So I think you're <laughs> yeah. on your new PC. Is that true? Boxenberger, welcome to the show, that my is friend. true. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I, I'm glad to be back on the show. It's been way too long since I've been here. I think it's like mm. six months now already. Yeah. Five, that. six months, something like that. Way too long. Uh, next time we have to keep the the pause shorter and yeah i, I built a new pc this week um i i got a lot of uh, comments on on twitter about it uh, whether i switch to pc gaming now because i have a 3080 oh. in it <laughs> but okay. the main purpose is as you said the the channel and the videos and making content mm-hmm. for it and yeah i really appreciate the compliment because um yeah i do try to cover sometimes mm-hmm. topics that not everyone is talking about and it's not easy to do that um in in, in this mainstream focused um media world right now but the channel has been 
growing very well. I, I couldn't be more grateful for the support that I get from the community. And yeah, that's why I decided to to invest a little in a good PC to make yeah the videos uh, visually a little bit more pleasing. And yeah, I had a lot of fun with that PC this week. Um, otherwise, I've been playing replaying a Blake's Tale again. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. With the with the uh, Series X enhancements um, at 60 FPS. Awesome. Awesome game. Still love it. Um, yeah, and then I spent most of my gaming time actually under in a, in a game that I cannot mention right now because I'm under NDA. So, oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. Excellent. We've got an insider amongst us. <laughs> it's not. It's not an insider. I just got a got a got a certain refuge code for a, for a game. Oh, okay. So. No, fair enough. Oh, fantastic. Oh, that's good. So, so when when that uh, when that releases, will we know what that's all about? Are you going to do a video on that? I'm guessing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. As soon as the embargo drops, I, I'll be having a video up on my channel for sure. Fantastic. Excellent. We'll keep an eye open for that. Yes, fantastic. Great to have you back, my friend. And uh, yeah, your knowledge is always welcome on the show. Um, yeah, this um, been a few comments in the chat around this game. Yeah, this is a game called Splitgate. Um, I am having the most fun with this game than I have had for you know in a first person shooter for a very long time. It is literally a. Uh, I was going to say a rip off. Uh, perhaps a homage might be better, but of of Halo um, and kind of crossed with Portal. As you can tell, you can kind of shoot portals at the wall, jump through them, shoot through them. It, it gets for some really creative gameplay that you don't really um, get on any other kind of games like that. So uh, definitely check it out. It was in demo. It's now gone into full beta, so it's not in the demo section on Xbox. It is cross-platform, so jumping into games and stuff, um, cross-play, sorry, um, is pretty good. We, you can get into loads of games pretty easily, so um, you are up against PC people. But, um, yeah, the balancing seems pretty good, actually, and as you'll see in the gameplay footage, there's so many creative, fun things you can do. So uh, definitely go and check it out. And um, what we might like to do at some point, perhaps even this week, is if, if anyone listening wants to join up, team up with us, perhaps we can go four on four with, with some of our listeners. That would be pretty cool. Um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll probably announce that on Twitter. But um, Also, before we move on to the topics, Pucks, we have a giveaway tonight, I believe. We do indeed, yes. Uh, Wakanda, listening in, has very kindly offered us uh, a Game Pass Ultimate one-month giveaway. Um, and they've also told us the rules of which you all need to follow as well. So Wakanda has chosen a number already of which needs to be uh, chosen or nearest to. But basically, chat, all you need to do is type in a number between 1 and 1,000. And the closest, uh, the, per the, the person who has the number closest to the golden number will be our winner. So by all means, please start your guesses in the chat. I shall store them, and then by the end of the show, I shall announce who the winner is or who is closest to the golden number. Are you there, Flap? Uh, have, we gone, uh, have we gone wrong? <laughs> no, sorry. I was on mute. No, sorry. Yeah, no, we've got some numbers coming in. Uh, like, like you say... Uh... Any number between one and one thousand closest to the golden number um, gets the uh, gets the prize. One guess each. Pyro, you've gone you've gone too far between one and one thousand. Um, fantastic. Okay, well let's 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 get on with the show, shall we, everyone? This is why we're all, all here. And I thought I'd start with a topic that was kind of a bit of an odd one, really. Um, during uh, during the week, uh, Phil Spencer gave a chat on kind of funny podcasts uh, where he was praising the PS5 controller. Um, 
And, and he, this is to quote him directly. He said, we're definitely thinking about different kinds of devices that can bring more games to more places. There's probably some work that we'll do on the controller. I think Sony's done a nice job with their controller. And we kind of look at some of that and think there are things we should uh, go do. Um, he, earlier in the year, actually, he, he's all, you know, this isn't the first time he's actually commended the PlayStation 5 controller. Um, he's also on record as saying, you know, all of the in innovation is something that they should actually be looking at themselves. And it, it's a great thing to hear because I don't know about everyone else, but in my mind, I think the Xbox 360 controller, uh, certainly during that era, was pretty much the de facto controller. Um, Xbox One, I think most people had a preference for the Xbox controllers with the with the offset thumbsticks. I know PlayStation seems to be kind of getting better and better. The PlayStation 4 controller is certainly better than the PS3 one. And um, the PlayStation 5 controller is, is an absolute highlight of the machine for me personally, if I'm honest. Two of my most favorite games are actually Astro's Playroom and Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. And that's one of the reasons is that because it fully utilizes that, that new controller with the haptic feedback and the adaptive triggers. And it's such a delight and pleasure to use. It brings a smile to my face when I play those games. And I'd absolutely love to see Xbox um, bring some of those uh, features to the Xbox controller. Perhaps we'll come to you first if that's uh, okay, um, Archimedes. Um, do you think, um, you know, Microsoft might just sort of cut and paste what uh, what Sony have done with their PlayStation 5 controller. Um, do you know? Do you think they're going to bring all of the features over, like the haptic feedback and the adaptive triggers and, and the touchpad and all kinds of things, or, or are they going to be a bit choosy around what they bring to the controller? Do you think? I, I think they will be a little bit more choosy uh, <laughs> if if they will adapt something. I don't think they will adapt the touchpad, the speakers, or the microphone. Um, I don't think those are the highlights. I hear nobody talk about those kind of features. And uh, to be honest, everyone I know, I don't know about you, but uh, everyone I know that I talked to uh, about this turned the mic off, actually. Uh, by default, yeah, because who wants to have Sony listen all the time? <laughs> so um, I don't think they will turn, uh, they will copy these kind of features. Now, the, the rumble functions, there I agree with you. The, this is actually a, a highlight. I, I thought it was a gimmick when they first announced it. And when I played Astrobot for the first time, you really could feel that's something special. And I know a lot of people don't like it, um, some turn it off. Uh, but it's always great to have an option because in some games, I remember in Spider-Man Miles Morales, it was awesome to have that that haptic feedback in the trigger, stuff like that. Um, it's, it's really awesome to feel in the hand. And um, that's definitely something where Microsoft is probably looking towards very closely. Um, the thing really is, for me, still the Xbox controller is, is the better one because of the layout. Um, Simply, I like the asymmetric thumbsticks um, way more. It's, for me, it's I don't know whether my hands are strange, but I, I really have problems playing shooters longer than 30 minutes on the PlayStation controller. Um, so I definitely prefer that. Um, but yeah, it would be nice to have these haptic triggers and the rumble functions in there. Um, I've speculated about this quite a lot. Um, when will we see the next Elite controller? I think they could introduce that in, in that kind of um, um, in, in that kind of price point region um, during the generation where they have actually a new feature in there um, 
because the base controller with the consoles, they won't get an upgrade till the next generation launches. And that will be like seven, eight years out. So um, if they introduce it, I bet it's it's an elite controller. Um, also, it probably helps a little bit with durability because that's still the big question mark on the PlayStation side. How long will these, these rumble functions actually last? And uh, what, what's the durability of the controller? And if you have a higher price controller like the Elite controller, you could simply invest a little bit more in, in durability and quality of these kind of functions. So that would definitely make sense. And I would I would happily take it. I, I love the, the Rumble functions and haptic feedback on the uh, um, DualSense controller. I think you might be muted there, Flap, if you're talking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I'm having to mute because I've got a fan blowing on me constantly because uh, it's pretty warm where we are, but uh, apologies. Time. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think um, one of my most favorite uses of the haptic feedback is in um, Astro's Playroom where you walk over a metal surface and you can actually feel it kind of clanking in your hands and it just it just brings a smile to my face every time it it, it kind of it still takes me by surprise and I, I really love that uh we'll come to you later if that's okay luke because obviously i know that you've got a ps5 um and, and you've probably got some uh, strong opinions on it so let's come to you first or next scott if that's okay because i don't know if we've had a chance to either hold playstation 5 controller or even game with one yet but um you know, from what you've heard, what what aspects of of the PlayStation Five controller would you like to come across to the uh, to the Xbox controller? Yeah, it's, I'm in sort of a weird situation um, where I've not played on PlayStation Five yet, so I've got absolutely right. no idea um, what it feels like. So I'm kind of just taking it off sort of what I read and hear. Um, obviously, the the comments that both yourself and Luke in particular have made is that that. Um, it adds an extra dimension to to the game. When I look at the controller, the the things that the one thing that stands out is certainly the haptics. Um, hmm. The Xbox One, if you remember, had the rumble triggers, um, and yep. I remember yep. feeling that for the first time and and really noticing a difference. And there's even some games I was playing Grounded the other day, and I think the I think Grounded takes advantage of the um, of the rumble triggers as, as well, and you can really tell and notice different. I do. Actually, Things even so, something as subtle as that adds just an extra dimension to to a game. So I think the one standout feature I'd like to see is is definitely the 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 haptics. Um, the other features, the mic, I'm not really interested in. I've heard some pretty awful stories about online games where obviously everybody still has the mic switched on and it's just a bit of a mess. Um, same with the speaker. I don't think that interests us too much. The um, the one that I'm kind of interested in that I kind of think that. I won't really be able to judge unless until I actually get my hands uh, on a controller is the uh, is the triggers, the adaptive triggers. Mm -hmm. Because when I first heard about that, I wasn't, and actually Archimedes and Flap and, and uh, Luke, I'd love to get your, your thoughts on this because when I first heard it, I really didn't like the sound of it, if I'm being honest, especially as someone who plays like multiplayer shooters quite a lot. Um, I didn't like the idea of triggers locking or the triggers having different resistances when I'm playing, you know, something like Apex Legends or Halo uh, in a competitive sense. I know they can be adjusted in terms of the amount of effort required, or you can just switch them off entirely, but kind of, 
I didn't really like the sound of that when I first heard it. But obviously, a lot of the feedback um, that I've heard since, particularly in games like I know Ratchet has a, I think it's a really good. It yeah. uses it for kind of like a almost a alternative shot where you pull it halfway and it's kind of one shot. You pull it all the way and it's like a, yeah. An alternative in shot practice. As well. In practice, that never really works out too well for me. I don't know what Luke's going okay. to him next week, but uh, yeah, it so doesn't. You just you just pull the you, you're quite clumsy, so you just pull the trigger and it fires, and that's good enough normally. But uh, yeah, it, 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 feels, it, it really feels good. It does. When the, it does. The controller fights back. Um, but getting back to your point, what I heard from everyone who plays competitively in mil- multiplayer games, they turn that uh, the, those uh, triggers off because it simply Absolutely. gives you a disadvantage. Yeah, yeah. when when the when the trigger fights against you your actual pull yeah. that definitely doesn't work in your favor uh, yeah i can but, imagine but but for for single player experiences um or cooperative experience it's really awesome cool yeah like i said it's, it's something that and i know a lot of people have said it is kind of like you don't really you can't understand it like it's hard to describe it's something you've really got to feel so uh, it's it's difficult for, for me to judge so that one it's kind of like hopefully you know in the not too distant future i'll be able to you know, have a try one and, and really experience it for myself. But the rest of the features, I'm not really too interested in. I've, I've been on record many times saying I despise gyro controls. Um, so mm-hmm. I've got zero interest in, in sort of any any gyro controls being in there. So um, yeah, I think haptics definitely, um, and possibly the adaptive triggers. You know, depending on how how they're how they're implemented. The the one thing actually the concern uh, one concern i had about the the adaptive uh triggers and um obviously you guys have used it for a little while is i was always concerned about sort of how that might impact the durability of the controller i always i kind of had this fear you know sometimes when you're playing games and you maybe pull the trigger maybe a little too hard how susceptible those might be to to break and but i don't think i've read too many comments about the triggers breaking obviously it's fairly early in the generation but that was also one concern i had so it'll be those two features I think. Yeah, no, there there has been some you know concern around that, and, and there have been some triggers that break. I think they're relatively modular, so they shouldn't be too bad to swap out. I and mean, I don't know what the cost of those are, and whether yeah. you can buy sort of third party ones yet. But um, there there is a you say about the speaker. I actually love the speaker and the controller. Oh, okay. There's there's if yeah, if you play um, The Last of Us Part One. Um, every time you turn the flashlight on, it clicks, but it clicks in your controller. And again, I'm, I'm easily pleased. You know, hands yeah. up, I am easily pleased. But it just brought a <laughs> smile to my face every time. But I also really? see that there's audio logs. Yeah, when when you pick up when you pick up the audio logs, the, oh, it actually plays it. through. Did you? Uh, wow. I hated it. And, uh, I, okay. I, yeah, maybe I, I just got scared. But when I played D- Days Gone, I... It, I never got, gotten used to to ca- sound coming out of the controller, and, and every time okay. <laughs> that happens, I was, oh, what's happening? It, I, I didn't like yeah, it yeah. at all. No, fair enough. You see, I found it a pleasant experience, but, uh, you know, That's each to their own. Yeah, yeah. And I was really annoyed that they didn't actually put it in um, The Last of Us Part 2. Because when you do your flashlight in part, part 2, it doesn't actually click in the controller, which I was most perturbed about. But, um, yeah. yeah, no, I actually well, love that. Was that, that aspect. PlayStation 4? The, this, this that was PlayStation Five, but it is a PlayStation Four game. Don't forget with a PS Five okay. update. Yeah, I think but, for the um, for the speaker kind of, uh, we spoke about this in the past. But whenever I'm playing games, I've always got my headphones on anyway, so I doubt I'd be able to benefit from yeah, those little little pieces mm. uh, anyway. So, but yeah, it's just kind of like with the mic and the speaker, it's kind of just more again going back to sort of playing online games. As um, I, I guess you would have a headset on anyway, but I don't want to hear people through. A, uh, a, a not so great speaker, shall we say, on the controller mm. because well, sorry, um, 
uh, Mike, because everybody's going to have one. Um, but at, at the same time, you know, it's I remember getting the 360 and yep. every 360 came with a headset, if you remember, and the PlayStation um, 3 didn't. And I think that was actually one of the reasons where sort of like online gaming really took off during the 360 years because everybody had the the capability of communicating with one another. And I guess that's something that the mic uh, does for uh, PlayStation uh, owners owners as well. But yeah, it's just <laughs> again just thinking about the online multiplayer side of things. I don't don't think that would make a particularly pleasant experience. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I've got to be honest, I was playing, funny enough, uh, this Splitgate on the PlayStation 5 just to give it a bit of a go. And um, I the mic switched on by default, and I was having a particularly bad game, and I'm cursing my socks off. And then I didn't realize, it took me a little while to realize the mic was on, so I was kind of felt a bit bad afterwards. But uh, yeah, that's what you get, I'm afraid. So Luke, um, yeah, time for you, my friend. What's what's your take? Because obviously, you know, you, you, you know the PlayStation Five controller. Um, what is yeah. it you would want to see on an Xbox controller? You know that they would borrow from the PS Five. Anything in particular? Um, I think if I was just picking and choosing features, um, I think you you'd have to go with the the haptics plus the adaptive triggers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I think uh, I actually probably agree with you. I quite like the speaker. On the controller, I think I get why people. How oh, you do? Uh, yeah, maybe maybe don't like it. I do understand that that rationale, but but um, but I I quite like it. And there are games that make some cool uses of it, as you say. Uh, Returnal is actually a, a really a really good one, um, where that has kind of an you know <clears throat> that uses a lot of a lot of the features of the controller. In fact, it's probably one of the best games out there, including Astrobot. Um, for using the controller, and, and one thing that does, as an example, is it. Um, has haptics when uh, the environment, you know, there's rain in the environment, um, so you yeah. feel the kind of disparate rumble of the rain, which is really cool. Uh, other games have done that as well, uh, but then it also plays the sound of the rain through the controller, so you get this kind of really yeah. cool sensory experience as you're holding. And, it, and, so when, really and cool. when you pull, when you pull the bow back, and it kind of stretches. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, Returnal's a, a bit like Ratchet um, right. with the triggers where it uses sort of a half press to do one thing and then a full press to do another, and it works really well. In fact, uh, Ratchet, um, it's it, it's cool on that one, but I think actually Returnal does it better. There seems to be a bit bit of a better uh, tension break, um, so it's a bit more defined as to when you're, you're, you know, you're half press and you're, you're full press. So, um, so th- those are the features I'd... I'd want. Uh, I think I've speculated hmm. for a while that I, I would imagine if they're going to put them anywhere, it'll be in uh, Elite Series Three. Um, kind of yes. makes sense to put them in that controller. Um, what? Uh, what uh, exclusively, or, or just to start off with? I think just to start off with and see see what right. the reactions like. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, for me, I think <laughs> it's probably blasphemy, but I think the Dual Sense is a better controller than the than the uh, Series X controller. Um, Ooh, I think last, really? I think last gen, yeah, I really well, do. D- d- um, d- define better, define better. So I think, I mean, feature wise, I think stuff like the adaptive triggers are, are really, really fantastic. They really do. They aren't a gimmick. They really do add a lot to a game. Hmm. Um, haptics are the same. Um, I don't know. I think the dual sense because it's bigger. I quite like that, and I, the the kind of symmetrical asymmetrical stick thing has never really bothered me. I think because I've okay. played on PlayStation for for eons, and I've also played on Xbox for eons. It, it just like it doesn't. I can switch between them. I don't really struggle with that at all. Hmm. Um, 
So I, I think I just prefer the dual sense. I think it's a bit heftier, a bit bigger, um, better for my hands, not for everyone, um, obviously, but, um, but yeah, so, so I really love the, I really love that controller. I mean, the, the, as you've said before, I think the Xbox controllers de facto been the leader since the 360 days. Um, and I, I'd, I'd agree with that until now. <laughs> but um, if it wasn't um, for yeah, the, you know, if that would triggers and the haptics, like, would you, would you, would you say I'd, the same thing out of interest? It. Yeah, it's, it's interesting it, yeah. that because kind of Sony and PlayStation ignoring those things kind of went different directions going to this generation because Microsoft actually made their control ever so slightly smaller while yeah, Sony yeah. kind of beefed theirs, beefed theirs up. And obviously I've not yeah. held the, the DualSense, but I would prefer the, the Xbox controller to be ever so slightly bigger for, for, for my hands too. Yeah, I think I think so. The it, it reminds me, oddly enough, the DualSense of the 360 controller in, it, in its size. Um, so... Uh, and I found that the 360 controller was fantastic. Like it's a fantastic controller. Um, so I think even if you stripped all of the adaptive triggers, haptic feedback, and you just had them on a par um, in terms of feature sets, I would still prefer the DualSense just for that reason. But it's you know it swings around about for everyone, isn't it? So um, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know it's it's just it comes down to personal preference ultimately. So. Um, but yeah, I think those two, the adaptive triggers and the haptics are the, are the features I'd pull. Um, uh, I don't really think the touchpad adds much. It's No, something... I never did. Yeah, I, mean, I, I completely Astro... agree with Scott. No, go on. No, I was going to say Astro, I guess, probably makes the best use of that, um, of the t- of the the kind of um the touchpad but it's not even you know it's not it's not game changing or or anything like that um i'm quite surprised they kept it in to be honest because i don't think it's a that great a feature but ghost of sushima is one that does that for me because when you um when you want to find out where to go on the map you have to kind of swipe up on the touchpad but it's you know it's it's not a natural thing you don't have a spare finger or thumb to do it so you've actually got to kind of take your you know what i mean it it just seems crazy to me that uh yeah. yeah, it's a bit shoehorned in, isn't it? Um, that it one. is. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't be bothered about that. But, pretty, but all the other features, I'd, I'd quite like to see. Uh, obviously, the adaptive triggers and haptic feedback being the main ones. Yeah, I completely forgot no, I, I had a touch bar. <laughs> if I'm being honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, to be, to, to be honest with you, though, Scott, I, I completely agree. The whole motion control thing. I, I can't think of a single game that actually uses that to any great degree that, that adds to the game. What was that, um, the Rubber Duck game on the PlayStation 3 when it first launched? Can you remember? Rubber, rubber Dub, wasn't it? Rubber Dub. Yeah, yeah I can kind of, you know, it, it was a bit of a showcase for that kind of thing. But to be honest, since then, I can't think of a single game that's actually utilised that sort of sixth sense of sixth sense kind of controller. Um, yeah, I, I don't quite get it. Puxley. We've got quite a lot of chat stacked up, so we'll do that as well. But first off, what, what are your thoughts? Because um, you was obviously around in the PS4 era. Um, was, are you happy yeah. with the? Are you happy with the Xbox 360 controller as it is, or does it need a, a perk? Do you think a pep? The 360 controller or the series? Controller? Oh, sorry, sorry. Well, no, the Xbox in general, yeah, but the series controller, yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, having gone from PS4 to the series controller, uh, it did feel a lot more primitive. I suppose is the way for <laughs> is the best way to describe it. Um, similar to what you guys were saying like the trackpad for example um i know there i mean bearing in mind for me the ps4 was basically a sole single player machine i didn't really do much multiplayer gaming on my ps4 um so the games which did utilize it i think did it quite well and as you say games like uh ghost of tsushima um it, it's only subtle as you say it's, it's more so just a 
a virtual button, so to speak, in four directions. And But for me, a lot of the games that do implement it aren't really fast-paced enough where I found it a bother to move the thumb. The only thing mm. that I found a bit troublesome at first was trying to remember what swipe direction does what. But then once you do yeah, figure true. it out and yeah, remember it, then... Yeah, there was an action you swipe, of swapping in four directions. You swipe left for the flute thing, don't you? Yeah, that was, it was left for yeah. flute, it was upwards for that's the it. wind, and then it was it. Yeah. right yeah. did something and down did something else. That's it. So I thought that was pretty cool. And what, one thing I did like, which I find surprising that... Um, Archimedes has said he didn't like is uh, the speaker and the controller. I thought that was a really, okay. a really good little touch to add into the controller. And I, th- and I think the first time I did experience it was actually on the Uncharted Collection, which got re-released on the PS4, because they added some subtle updates to that. And I think there was a lot of the audio logs and collectibles there, which when you collected them, you'd actually hear the audio logs and stuff through the controller. And unlike Scott, I play a lot of a lot of my games. Not with headphones, so it wasn't that it wasn't a bother for me, and I really enjoyed the experience of it. And I think even uh, even more recently, games like Ghost of Tsushima, where when you know you'd hear like the wind direction would come through the controller, and I think you'd hear like the as you say like the the cranking of a bow and then releasing it with that mm. that would all come from the controller. And it was those small little touches that I just really liked. So playing games on the Xbox which didn't have it, it was I did notice it only subtly. It's not like it's a big deal, I guess, but because it doesn't have it, I suppose you do notice the difference when you've come, when you've gotten used to having it. Sorry, um, but I say I haven't got, used the PS5 controller, so I can't really comment so far on if it should or shouldn't have all the haptics and stuff. But I, I trust what Luke has been saying and what the rest of the internet says about the PS5 controller, and that maybe haptics is the way forward in terms of a, a future 360 controller. But uh, but does the PS5 have haptics in the tri- uh, analog sticks as well, right? No, it's just the is whole controller right? itself. It just, just has yeah, haptics. Just it just shakes. Controller. Oh right, okay. I mean, is that? I mean, because I know the Switch Joy Cons obviously have the well, the the haptic uh, the haptic feedback devices within the Switch Joy Cons is made by the same uh, the same company made those as what was also done the PS5 one. So is it a massive difference? Do you think? Because I know there's a lot of again, as much as uh, I love the Switch, apart from the, the original first-party titles to show it off, not many people have really used it for anything more than a rumble. So, I mean, yeah. do you reckon those haptics would be properly utilised? Or do you reckon it will just become a glorified rumble feature? I, sp- I suppose that's uh, a question for Luke, I guess. Or, it, or both it, of you it, kind of is, it kind of is a glorified rumble, but it's, it's, it's almost like I'd call it like a high-definition rumble kind of thing. Yeah. I, w- I think I think this was a thing that came up prior to launch, prior to get anybody getting their hands on it. I think people hear the haptic feedback and they just think, well, it's just a rumble, isn't it? It's not really just a rumble. It's kind of I think that that definition flaps very accurate. It's like HD rumble. It's like it can pinpoint all sorts of different locations on the controller to give you feedback. So, for example, yeah. the Returnal Rain one, right? The raindrops hit. At disparate places on the controller so whereas obviously you might just get a standard rumble in a in a you know on a, another controller i think in terms of the switch um it's definitely a level above that i think the switch itself is probably a small level above the the series x rumble or xbox controller rumble itself but i don't think the, the switch has ever really made that good of a use of it like you know I, devs haven't really Apart from oddly enough, one two switch, which yep. <laughs> was amazing at launch for the, for experiencing that, you know, had some incredible controller stuff going on. 
nothing on that platform has really taken advantage of it, which is really strange. But yeah, I mean, that's, you that's know, what I base my experience on as well yeah, in terms of the I, HD rumble, as you say. Yeah, I think I think and I think that's fair. Um, so, but I would think I would think probably if if you know Xbox adopted it in a controller, you know, there would be some mandate for for a number of developers, particularly first party, to actually, you know, go and take advantage of this because I don't think it's much work. It's just more someone has to sit down and think about it. So um, mm. that's what I'd hope, anyway. Well, I was a little bit surprised. Um, I'm guessing you were playing Plague Tale on your Xbox Series X uh, Archimedes. In fact, you said you did. I was a little bit surprised to hear that they've actually ad- um, added adaptive triggers for the PS5 version. Did you hear that? Oh, Boxenberger, are you there? Ah, pardon me. I forgot to unmute. I <laughs> always do two buttons. One in the software, one on the mic. Uh, yeah, I'm the same. <laughs> Usually I use the one on the mic, but um, sometimes when you switch tabs, the, the software mutes itself. So then you don't realize that you're muted. Um, yeah, I, I realized that thing about the uh, Black Tail uh, this afternoon when I tweeted about uh, enjoying the game and so on. And someone told me that uh, on the PlayStation actually has... Um, that trigger function and since it's in ps plus hmm. i think i might download it and just look and play the first one or two acts to to see how that uh, feels in in, in uh, blake tale yeah i'm the same i, I want to give it a go just to see um see what it's like to be honest but uh yeah, yeah. I, I was quite surprised by that uh pucks where are we with the chat mate yeah i've got quite a few things here this week um well, at the oh, moment, don't forget sorry. our competition as well, actually. Yeah, but let's do the t- competition. I'll do, I'll do this first. I'll do, I'll yeah, do a yeah. new reminder. So uh, I'll start off, uh, Ballman Gamer. So happy we are back this week. Yes, we were saying pre-show that it felt like a long time, even though we've only just missed one week. So uh, glad to see that we've got people looking forward to the show. Uh, but BMG again says, I'd love the haptic feedback, but want the adaptive triggers. Oh, sorry, but don't want the adaptive triggers or touchpad. Uh, Harley Yaris says, yeah, it's about the thumbsticks. The PS controller cramps my hands playing FPS. Uh, Wakanda, prefer the triggers, but if they add all the be- but if they add all the better features, I hope they add an on and off. Um, Stubbs Gaming says, hello, I'm live from my front garden cleaning up my hedge mess. <laughs> Welcome, Stubbs. <laughs> um, okay. uh, BMG again, I'd love them to include it in the base controller when the next upgrade of the console comes out, i.e. a Series X Pro, for example. Uh, sorry, I've got a lot of comments here from BMG saved, actually, because BMG, again, uh, regarding Luke's comments about preferring the PS5 controller, um, requests that we fire Luke from the panel. So <laughs> I agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I will, I, I'm going to defend Luke here to a certain degree. I, I, I'm not of the same opinion. I, I don't prefer it, but it is a much easier transition than it ever has been in the past. So, you know, if he was, because I, I, I think um, Black Ops 4, is on um, PlayStation Plus this month, and I downloaded it and played it, and it's the first time I've actually ever semi-enjoyed playing a first-person shooter on a PlayStation game, oh, sorry, on the PlayStation platform. So it's a much easier transition. I still think I I prefer the Xbox One, but um, yeah, different strokes, I guess. Oh, it's yeah, definitely so. the best PlayStation controller. I think we can agree yeah. there, because yeah. uh, the DualShock 4, that, that was felt to me really like a more or less cheap controller. I, I don't know. It didn't feel um, what, what's the English word. That's a good point, actually. The, the PS5 yeah. one feels very, it does feel premium. It's premium. absolutely yeah, solid. Premium. When you, premium when, when, you, word, yeah. when you squeeze it in your hand hard, it doesn't click. It doesn't crack. You can't, exactly. you can't twist it. It's, it's really solid. 
And there's just something to it when you when you have plastic in your hand, it, it can feel like it's valuable plastic or or that cheap yeah, toy exactly. plastic. Sometimes yeah. my, when my kids come home and have those cheap toys there, then you can really <laughs> feel the difference in the in the quality of the plastic, and that is kind of the difference in between the PS4 and PS5 now. I think they should bring back the boomerang. <laughs> this kind of is. That's funny you should say that. This kind of is as close to the boomerang as they've ever got, really, yeah. isn't it? The PS5. I'm so disappointed they didn't actually release that. You know how Xbox yeah. did like the Hyperkin Duke? I'd love for Sony to release like <laughs> yeah. a, you know, yeah. like a throwback okay. to, to that. That really did not look comfortable, did it? <laughs> All right, are we caught up with everything, Pucks? Uh, just two more. Another one, one, one here from Wakanda who says. For me, the trigger is okay, but the haptics just send my hands into a spasm. So from a disability from a disability point of view, it will need an on and off uh, switch of some description. Well, you can. You, I don't know if I think there is on and off, but there's also different strength. I think there's three different strengths, like low, medium, and strong. I think it's called something like that. Right. Okay. But, um, yeah. Uh, final one here from Harley Harris, who says, "I don't like the PS5 controller though because it, it is bigger, but everyone's uh, everyone has different opinions, which is obviously perfectly valid as well." Yeah. No. Absolutely. Uh, but as you said, um, I will go back to what we said at the beginning of the show for any new listeners tuning in. We do currently have a competition going today for a uh, one month of Xbox uh, Game Pass Ultimate, uh, kindly uh, gifted to us by Wakanda. So Wakanda has uh, also created the rules for this. So all you have to do in chat is simply uh, put in a number between 1 and 1,000. And anybody who is near to Wakanda's golden number shall be uh, this evening's winner. So if you'd like a chance to win, please put your guess in the chat. I shall store it. And then later in the show, I shall reveal the winner who's closest to the number. Fantastic. Excellent. Yes. Well, uh, good luck, everyone in the chat. Get those uh, get those guesses coming in. Just a very quick roll call in the chat. We've got, uh, obviously, Wakanda. Well, thank you very much for your gift. Uh, Dr. Jonas, uh, Ballman Gamer. We've got Stubbs, Indie Gamer. Always great to have you guys here. Achievement, Dr. Jonas, uh, Moseko, it's Timmy. Oh, my God, I'm scrolling up. Back from the deads with us. Welcome, my friend. Thank you all for being here. Uh, uh, we had a few different ones. Uh, Harley Harris, um, further up. Thank you all, guys, for being here. Hope you're enjoying the show. Got two more topics. We're kind of done with topic one now around the Xbox controller. I kind of enjoyed that. I do like the Xbox controller, and I still think, for me personally, it holds on to that de facto title. I am looking forward to Series 3. I also agree that I think if, you know, if they are going to release these kind of features, we will see it premiered in the series three um elite three um and then hopefully perhaps a little bit further down the line coming to the your everyday controllers but what a, we had quite a good week of um, gaming news actually and i don't think many people saw this one coming although it kind of has been rumored in the past but um steam steam announced this week their latest piece of hardware and it's a, a handheld device called the steam deck and i can't believe anyone listening hasn't seen it or knows all about it already um it's basically a handheld PC that uh, the users can play uh, Steam and PC games on on the move, basically. Um, and uh, most people, I think, when they first knew about it, once they had understood it was obviously just basically a handheld PC. The 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 next question was, well, how can we customize it? What can we do? Can we put a, a you know a unique OS? Uh, and the answer seemed to be yes. Um, and at that point. I think most gamers, particularly Xbox gamers, kind of thinking, well, if we can stick Windows on there, then there's absolutely no reason why we couldn't potentially stick Game Pass on there and actually play uh, Xbox Game Pass games natively and locally on the device um, without the need for streaming. Um, I don't think you need Windows for that. Um, 
Isn't there a, a, a possibility to run the Windows Store under Linux? Well, that's the thing, you see. So yes, it's, it's actually a Linux so. um, operating yeah. system, isn't it? Um, but uh, they there were concerns, because I know Digital Foundry did a video, and there were concerns around Linux using the API that, you yeah. know, like DirectX 12 things that games Good. use. I think games may have to be more, um, what's the word, uh, optimized perhaps for a, for a Linux system. So it might actually be better to, to go down the Windows route, ironically. But that was one of the questions I was going to ask, and perhaps I'll come to you first, Boxenberger. Um, you know, are you excited for this? Are you going to get one? And, and if you did, do you think you'd, um, you'd stick Windows on it and try and get Game Pass games on it. Oh, are you there, Boxenberger? <laughs> Damn, the same shit happened again. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Um, I was just saying, yeah, I um, I am excited. Um, I didn't pre-order one. I want to kind of see okay. where how it performs in the field. Um, when actual okay. gamers get their hands on and. You, you see, do the, the sticks tend to drift? Um, how does the touch controls work? The, 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 how do the games actually perform on it? Because I kind of share some of, of the concerns that Digital Foundry expressed. Um, if you have a solely based Linux system and you run the games on, and a lot of those games will be, especially in the next couple of years, um, uh, very optimized for those low-level APIs that DirectX 12 um, provides, um, and you kind of don't have that. It, I wonder how the, the, the games will perform. Um, it's definitely something um, I, I want to see first before I make the, that investment. Um, the other thing really is, since, ever since the pandemic started, I, I don't really have the the need for a handheld and helm mm -hmm. handheld anymore um <laughs> that's I, I realized that with my switch um i used to play the switch a lot because i used to travel a lot for work i spent like at least one night per week in a hotel or something and so i really traveled a lot and played my switch a lot but now ever since the pandemic started i haven't been traveling at all um for for work um and like one week for, for family vacation and that's about mm, it yeah. and when i'm at home I'd, I'd rather play um on my series x on my playstation 5 or now on my brand new gaming pc with an rdx 3080 and a recent 7 and yeah. uh, so at the moment i really don't need that pc handheld uh, thing it's but i'm definitely interested because it's not just an interesting machine to have um I like the convenience to play wherever I am, sit my on my back porch and, and uh, play outside or something like that. It's something where I use my Switch for, and if I can can exchange that with the actual games that I'm playing um, via Steam or via Game Pass, um, that that's an awesome opportunity. The the specs of the machine sound fantastic for what. They try to be, yeah. It's they are not competing with the high-end PC gaming space. I've seen a lot of um, people on Twitter saying, uh, "Why would I get that?" Because I have a whatever graphics card. Yeah, that's not what it's supposed to be. It is a handheld, and it is a very powerful hand handheld with a, with an interesting idea. And I definitely want to see how that thing behaves when actual gamers get to play it, and not just IGN. 
Well, you raise a really good point there. I'm going to come to you, Scott, next, if that's okay, because I know you've mentioned this in the past, but obviously with the Switch, you know, there is, you know, if you want to play those new Switch games, you have to pay or buy a Switch, um, which is handheld, and uh, there's obviously a docked version. You can get a dock where you play it in CTV, but that's all there is. But obviously with, with a handheld PC, you know, lots of people have a desktop do you think mobile gaming is quite as prevalent as perhaps it once was, particularly given the pandemic, perhaps? Do you think, um, you know, people actually want to to have a handheld mobile PC because are you actually going to sit on the bus and play that or, or, or take it to holiday with you and stuff? Or, or do you think um, that's not quite so much the case with, with a handheld PC? Yeah, the, the use case is interesting. Um, and I'd say maybe if you just look at the success of the Switch, and in particular the Switch Lite, then that certainly shows to me that there's an appetite for um, for the mobile market. Obviously, um, just gaming on yeah, phone but, these days is is as big as it yeah, but, is as but well. Is it, yeah, but but if, if there was another Nintendo sort of uh, under your TV desktop, uh, sorry, uh, top list, De- uh, no, what am I trying to say? A, um, a set-top box that you could yeah. put under your TV that, that played all of the same games as the Switch. Do you think the Switch would then be quite as popular if there was a choice of two different systems that ran the same game? Uh, Do you know what I mean? I, I know what you mean. I think personally speaking, if there was a, just a console version of the Switch that didn't have a screen yeah, that's what I'm TV, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, that would be my choice 100%. Um, right. But do I think the Switch would be successful if if that was the only model? No. I think part of the reason the Switch is a, is a success is because it is a mobile device, uh, or it's a hybrid device more, more specifically. Um, I think if they were to introduce that skew sort of now, I don't think it would harm anything because they could basically say, look, we've got all bases covered. We've got the light, we've got the normal Switch, we've got a Pro, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I certainly think the Switch has proven that um, handheld game, and there is certainly a market for it. I know people who play their Switch exclusively in handheld. I personally play my Switch exclusively docked. Um, the hybrid model. I'm, I'm one of those um, exclusively handheld gamers. I uh, think okay. I play one hour in docked mode, and that's about it. <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> now, now, Archimedes. It is. No, go, go on, Scott. Go on. You're going to ask him the same question. I think. Go on. Well, all, all, well, I didn't necessarily have, have a question, but it does bring me on to one of the appealing aspects of the Steam Deck, which is I think it looks sort of infinitely more comfortable to hold as a handheld device than than a Switch. Now, I'm personally, the reason I've never really used my Switch in handheld mode is because I think it's horrific to hold. I think it's a very, very poorly designed handheld console from a hardware perspective. I think ergonomically, it's dreadful. Um, The Steam Deck, however, it's a bit bigger. Um, it's the it just looks nicer to hold. It looks if looks and feels like it holds more like a controller with a screen in the middle, more so than mm-hmm. you know just sort of a, a a tablet, which is essentially what what, what the switch is. Um, and I, I personally don't see, I, I don't understand how anyone can just play the, the thing exclusively handheld because it's so bloody uncomfortable. In in my opinion, you know, we've just talked about the differences between the Xbox and the PlayStation controller. Pe- people have their preferences, mm-hmm. um, but it, it certainly shows that 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 there's that there's an appetite uh, appetite there. So, Flap, I'll, I'll let you ask uh, Archimedes uh, the, the question there. Yeah, well, I was just intrigued to know, that, you know, do you play it solely in handheld mode because when you plug it, you know, into your big TV, graphically, it's obviously not as good as the Xbox and the PlayStation and stuff like that. Does it just feel um, better, in inverted commas, mm-hmm. in handheld mode, do you think? 
Yes, it, it does. Um, I mean, when yeah. you when you see that the most of the games run run something like twenty seven p to nine hundred p on the Switch, even in docked mode. Yeah, some get to ten eighty, but but most are at, stuck at nine hundred or below. And um, when you upscale that on a big four K screen, it just looks mm. blurry. Um, yeah. The details are not there. It, it it's just not as good as uh, if you play it in handheld mode. It looks way sharper. Um, mm. And then there is the convenience factor. Um, yeah, when when I want to play on the big screen, I can simply use again my other two consoles for that. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's that's really for me the the reasons why I I play on uh, it mainly on portable. Huh? Yeah, and no, I, I kind of assume that, to be honest, because, like I say, you know, if there was a dedicated desk, uh, I keep saying it, uh, 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 a tabletop kind of console, let's call it, you know, dedicated console without a screen, that, you know, that played these games kind of in 4K, upscaled 4K, whatever. I'm just wondering what the preference for people would be, whether they'd actually go for the handheld switch or not at that point. Because I guess my point is, and I'll come to you now, Luke, if that's okay. Obviously, I, I know you were quite excited for it, and you kind of got me quite excited for it as well, but mainly from being able to play Xbox games on it on the move, I think. Mm. Um but do you actually think there's kind of a market for for mobile PC gaming? I mean, like like Archimedes says, you know, the best the best way to play it every single time is going to be on a on a desktop machine with your 4K or 1440p monitor and stuff. Is there a is there a big appetite in the PC market for for a handheld device? Do you think? Um, I think I think there is a market for it. Um, I think it's a niche market. It's a very niche market. Okay, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily a small market. If that makes sense. Um, I think uh, they're I mean, for me, um, you know, the minute I saw it, you know, I, I was just like, how do I, how do I get this? How do I pre-order it? Right? Um, how do I reserve it? Um, and I have a, you know, I've got a overclock thirty eighty, and I have a, you know, I use an OLED as a monitor, and I, so I've got all the bells and whistles, um, PC desktop experience. But um, being able to take that and 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 I think th there's an important factor um in all of this um and it's kind of the use the the optimal use case i'll call it which is for people like me who have massive steam libraries who have been on that platform for for ages and ages and ages the ability to just pull that straight onto a handheld at any point and play effectively your entire steam library um in a handheld experience um is is really cool uh, and it's really tempting and it's, you know, kind of what I imagined the Switch would be like. And the Switch is, is really great at, at what it does. I mean, it has a lot of drawbacks, uh, I think as people know, but, you know, if you then expand, if you think of this, you know, you, you're expanding this to all AAA experiences in some form, essentially all indie experiences, any game that you've got on your Steam library. And then you also factor in, as you say, um, the ability to to kind of, you know, mod it as as you want to bring in Windows if you want, and then that opens up all of the Game Pass stuff. Um, obviously, if you just want to play on Steam, you know, Microsoft are bringing more and more of their games to, to Steam now anyway. So, um, you know, you, stuff like Halo Infinite, Infinite will be playable day one uh, through Steam. Um, but, so, but at a cost, at a cost, at a cost, though, I guess. At a cost yeah. yeah, at a cost, um, unless, you, unless, of course, you, you mod your Steam Deck. Um, and and you've got Game yeah, Ultimate, yeah. etc. So um, so you know I, there is a, there is absolutely a use case. I think um, the mobile market itself is is absolutely huge, but I think you are right in that you know 
dedicated uh, devices for for the for mobile gaming are are not very big anymore. Apart from the one outlier, which is the Switch. Um, the Switch is supremely successful, but I don't think there's room for for loads of them. Um, but I think there's room for this because I think this is a very specific use case. Uh, but because it's such good hardware and it will have buzz around it, I suspect it'll, you know, kind of attract more people into it. And also, I mean, it's it's quite reasonably priced. Certainly the base model is um, for yeah. what you're getting. I mean, it's an incredible, it's an incredibly powerful mobile device. You know, it's, it's, it's really insane. Um, you know, right down to supporting, you know, full RDNA 2, being able to to have VRS mm. and ray tracing on the go. And obviously, you know, the extent to which it can run something like ray tracing is is, is going to be limited depending on, on what you're looking at. But um, I just think it's a, just an awesome piece of hardware. And and if anything, I mean, the, the kind of reservation stuff that's gone on in terms of how quickly the first batch uh, quote unquote went um, shows how how um, how you know how excited people are for it. Um, yeah. So yeah, I I managed to reserve the the five twelve version, so I'm very happy, um, and uh, I, I just can't wait to to experience it. Do you think this? I mean, I don't know whether Microsoft ever had any intentions at looking at the mobile market. I, I would suspect not, but I'm guessing this might very much uh, um, dissuade them from probably moving into that market now because um, I can't imagine what an Xbox device would do that the Steam Deck probably doesn't, in all honesty. Did you think that uh, Microsoft may not move into the mobile market if they were ever going to now? Yeah, I don't think they're ever going to. Uh, I think no. I, what's the point if you're Microsoft? You've got cloud gaming. You can put that on any device you like. Mm. So that uh, and it reaches more people uh, because you don't need to buy a specific device like a Steam Deck or a Switch to experience Microsoft software. So um, you know it would be a really weird, weird investment, a really weird splash of cash in a market that isn't particularly large. You know the Switch dominates it. Um, and you've got, you know, you can put your software and your service on literally any device that has any kind of cellular internet connection. So why would you? Yeah, I, I just don't think. I think if even if they'd remotely considered it, um, as soon as they started formulating ideas for xCloud, etc., they probably just bin that straight away. Yeah, I think I think yeah. Luke's right when, when he says that. And I think one thing you know to consider is you know Microsoft are selling the games on Steam, so if the Steam Deck's successful, um, you know it potentially opens up an, an audience to first-party Microsoft games that they release on Steam. Um, but one thing that I think is possibly an interesting sort of uh, whether this happens or not is probably unlikely. But um, you may be aware that your EA Play subscription, I believe, can can get you um, games on Steam. Um, yeah. So you don't necessarily have to use the uh, the Origin launcher, I think it is, on, on PC. Mm. Um, and I think there has been talk about it in the past, but I wonder if this maybe um, Microsoft will be more interested in, in pushing the types of conversations in terms of do we ever see a position where you can actually link your Xbox Game Pass uh, subscription to Steam the same way you can do an EA Play subscription and get first-party Microsoft games on Steam through your subscription, and then in that case, you know you don't have to necessarily mod the Steam Deck at that point in order to to access the the Game Pass games because they're already part of your your library. I, I think if Microsoft weren't having those conversations, or, or even if they were, and let's like say I don't, I'm not necessarily saying it's going to happen, but the release of the Steam Deck might maybe add an extra layer to um, 
to, to those conversations because I, I guess it makes it more more appealing if you no know, like Luke says you can play Halo Infinite but if you could also play Halo Infinite on, on Steam Deck via your Game Pass subscription then I think yeah then that is essentially at that point an official Game Pass dedicated handheld it's um I'll come to you Archimedes if that's okay and I'll then come to you afterwards if that's all right pucks but yeah Archimedes I mean I, I thought along similar lines Scott actually I was thinking well you know, they, they could very easily just, you know, create a um, a Game Pass app on the um, stream uh, Steam Deck, sorry, um, and run it natively in its in its OS. And I'm thinking, well, actually, that's not likely to work because that means they're doing themselves out of kind of sales of the games. And when we look at games like Flight Sim and um, Sea of Thieves and things like that, it's a very big seller on Steam. So it seems a little bit odd that Microsoft might consider that. But um, is that something you think Microsoft might consider putting a native um, Game Pass app on the Steam Deck because let's face it, you know, Game Game Pass exists on PC and yet people still buy their games via Steam. So it's probably not really much of a difference, I guess. Yeah, um, I think they are definitely looking into it if, if it makes sense. Um, I think they will wait a little bit and just see how it goes because uh, and not just sales wise for the for the Steam Deck, but also. Um, if people can easily uh, install um, the Windows Store and play everything um, um, from there that is in Game Pass, there's really no need to develop a a dedicated Game Pass app for it Um, because uh, deals like that usually require a lot of legal work in between uh, Valve and and Microsoft to figure everything out and the publishers. But if there's just an easy option to install it anyway, um, I don't think there is, is really the need for it. So I think they re- they will wait and see how it goes. Um, from the sound of it, it doesn't seem to be that difficult to do it. So they could probably pull it off um, really quickly if, if they s- think it's a business case. Um, but yeah, uh, it would be definitely interesting because every almost everyone that I have seen that pre-ordered one was talking like, I can't wait to play Game Pass games on that thing. So um, <laughs> the need yeah. is definitely there. And I don't think we should compare it directly with xCloud because it really is the beauty that it is computing mm. locally. It, it does work without um, Wi-Fi or uh, 4 or 5G uh, connection. So um, that's that's really beautiful. Um really the beautiful thing about it and um what just came to my mind is when i think puxley talked about it um, that that we should also consider a, a certain region for that for that device and it is the asian market handheld gaming is mm. really big over there yeah mobile gaming is 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 the biggest gaming platform in japan and th- south korea and so on and for them to have now a dedicated pc that is basically a handheld in the in that form factor yeah that that could be definitely uh, huge over there um so yeah there's a lot of potential for that device um and i think microsoft is going to pay close attention to how it will perform to how people will use it if they will install the windows store on there and play, play game pass games um it's it's definitely something interesting yeah, I think there was a comment in one of the chats as well, actually, which I'd kind of overlooked. But, you know, if you don't currently own a gaming PC at all, um, then, you know, £350, can't remember what it is in dollars, for the base version. And I know it's only 64 gig, but it does have expandable um, memory. 
you know, three hundred and fifty pounds for for you know a gaming PC in inverted commas because obviously you can put it on a deck and it's not um you know it's not going to be four K uh, gaming and stuff, but it is still PC gaming and, and like I think indie gamer and Luke was saying, you know, there's there's a whole plethora of games out in the PC market, particularly indies and stuff that people you know, without a PC, you just have no access to it. And as an entry point into PC gaming, you know, £350 is incredibly cheap. Um, Pucks, um, <clears throat> what's your take on it? Because obviously you've got a gaming PC. Is this something you'd be interested in at all, do you think? I was definitely interested or very much surprised to see it when it first kind of released at the point. I was wondering if April Fool's had come early or something because <laughs> yeah, it just yeah. seemed a bit out there, didn't it? And it kind of hit us out of nowhere, especially when you consider that I think some of Valve's previous hardware efforts have been very hit and miss. So yeah. to see something like this, yeah. like, wow, they're ac- you're actually doing this? <laughs> you know? And to the point that loads of people, you know, I've seen loads of comments online as well, people saying that this is what the Switch Pro should have been and whatever else. But I think I've, I've been looking at it from a hardware, hardware perspective quite a lot because I know a lot of people are tooting that, you know, about the specs and stuff and saying that it's basically the equivalent of a PS4 or an Xbox One. And... But again, a lot of people have also been saying about, oh yeah, you could install Windows on it and then you could access everything else. But then my my it's not a concern or issue. It's my thoughts with that are because the system runs on Linux, I believe on Steam's own uh, Steam OS, I believe there mm-hmm. it's going to be running on. Um, I've actually, I did some looking up into it a few days ago as well, and because typically on Linux, as we, a lot of us may well know or may not, you know, Linux isn't necessarily the best platform for gaming typically due to the fact there's so many there's a lot of services that you need for games now which windows has built in which linux doesn't for various reasons but apparently according to this valve has built a feature called that they call proton into their steam os which is basically an interpreter um between wine and another toolkit called dxvk so basically which is basically the interpreter which allows you to run windows stuff on linux so but, but, but it's an extra layer that's that's going to have to get processed and, and zap performed, I'm guessing. true. Um, but Linux on its own is a lot less um, resource yeah. intensive than Windows. Yeah, so as much as I appreciate that everyone's getting all excited that, yes, you know, it's been confirmed or whatever else that we can install Windows on it, my, my thoughts then are, yes, you can, but then how much will that affect the performance of the system? Because if we already know that it's it's basically uh, an amalgamation of parts to create an equivalent ps4 and xbox one might you know in the years to come you know because bear in mind i think we've seen well ps4 xbox let's take games like cyberpunk for example i mean we know that they run that's it runs very uh interestingly shall we say on older school hardware anyway and i know we're talking pc here but you know you still need a powerful machine to run games like that and games aren't getting aren't getting any less resource intensive as time moves forward so my biggest thought with this is, will this thing become obsolete by the time it already well, releases? Do you get what I mean? Yeah, I do, because it's releasing, unless I'm uh, incorrect, because uh, it quarter three, 2022? Is that, is that what the statement no, it's was? This year. No, it's this year. It's this, this year, yeah. Oh, it's this year? Yeah, oh, yeah. Really? it's next yeah, year. Yeah. I saw a quarter one, 2022. No. That's so... just, that's that bloody popular. I tried to reserve one yesterday. And yeah. The, the, it's now, it's quarterly availability has been Q3 yeah. or Q4, 2022, if you were oh, to pre order okay. now, but the, the actual hardware is going to be later this year. Uh, sorry, I didn't Okay, okay. Yeah, oh, I mean, it, you definitely have a point. And I mean, the, we had a similar discussion with the Series S uh, when that was announced. Yeah, um, will it be able to perform over the course of the next seven, eight years? Um, will it will it help 
uh, hold uh, game development back in like four or five years or something like that. Yeah, um, it, it is an interesting question, but I think if you compare it as a per pixel computational power, um, the the Steam Deck really is on par with the Series S and. I think as long as we have those consoles in, and we will have them for the next, um, yeah, probably decades. Seven, yeah, seven, seven, seven eight years. years at least. Um, yeah. And then there will be uh, another two, one or two years of cross generation. Yeah. So let's uh, say like eight to 10 years, something like that. And we will have the Series S around. And in that time, I think the Steam Deck will be fine. I mean, but I'm seeing. A, I mean, I've just seen a comment in the chat here from Indy who says that yes, it runs on SteamOS, but it's but as it's open source, it has infinite flexibility. Which, questionably, yes, that's true. However, you're then. But my my, uh, I'm I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here. But then, the counter to that though is that that open source flexibility. You're then relying on people to basically homebrew their own improvements, which you then have to rely upon. Because it's not as if everyone out there who has a Steam Deck suddenly going to get into open source development and know how to to write software to improve the to improve the the OS well, right so funny you anything, should say, I mean that, that's that, that's that's one of the advantages of of owning a console over PC isn't it it's it's a closed um, sphere of of kind of control shall we say uh, and the, you know they they will take care of all of that whereas obviously PC in general is kind of open source in inverted commas again and and mm. you can custom and tailor it but i don't know if you've seen the the digital foundry video they they were saying you know one of the large dependencies on the success of this is going to be developer buying and and how well they optimize for this particular system because yeah. something else i did read as well i don't know how true this is but um being a steam platform and obviously it's made to run steam steam os and run steam you know games via steam steam have their own um, what do you call it? Certification process, whereby if the game is so developed for it, then you know you need to meet a certain standard for controller support. Hence, you're able to use the built-in analog sticks and buttons and such. But um, I know there was a lot of uh, articles and stuff saying that yes, it's been confirmed you can run things off the Epic Game Store, for example, and I think there was some two other platform, maybe GOG or whatever else. But then they don't have the same certification platforms as what Steam does. Therefore, you know, you're not necessarily having to cater for, um, uh, to be able to use a controller. So it does then raise more questions that even though in theory, yes, it can support all of these PC platforms and play all these games, it's, you still have the issue that you may not be able to use the built-in controller for it. So you still may have to buy the, the, the Steam, uh, what do you call it? Like the dock. Is it a dock? Is that what it's called? The Steam dock, I yeah. guess I'll yeah. call it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you still have to buy that separately in a mouse and keyboard. So it's a bit of faff is what I'm trying to get at. But a counter to what I'm saying, I don't mean to sound like I'm being all negative because I do agree what's already been said that, you know, if you don't have a gaming PC and you're in the market to try and get your first PC, especially if you're like a younger child or something, right, who maybe, especially nowadays where I know there's a lot of younger kids and, and teenagers that are right into, you know, watching streamers. They're like their own celebrities now, right? And, you know, younger, I know older people like watching as well, but younger people, especially who can't afford these things openly, may want, you know, may wish to have these powerful gaming PCs, but because of how costly it is to build a machine, can't do. So what I do like about this is that it is a fantastic entry point into a gaming capable machine um, to be able to run these things. And yes, you have to pay a bit extra for a dock, but you are able to plug a mouse and keyboard in through USB via that dock and, you know, and play standard PC games that way. 
Someone was about to say something, yeah. and then I heard it. <laughs> yeah, no, that that was me. I think I think one thing to to say, and and those are all you know fair points. But I think actually the advantage of this machine is that it's open source. Um, because if you just want to buy this, it and all you ever want to do is play games from your Steam library, then great, you can do that. But unlike a Switch, for example, or you know uh, other closed platforms. If you think, well, actually, I'd really like to, you know, play Game Pass stuff on this, um, then you have the opportunity to do that. Obviously, there'll be teething issues with that. It's not going to be a super simple process, but, um, you know, people, in, uh, there's a lot of incredibly smart, you know, people in the in the in PC gaming um, that that do this stuff and that make it work in a in a seamless and intuitive way, and it might be simpler than than you know some people anticipate. Um, you know, there's even in theory the you know the capability to actually have a, a dual boot, so you can just load up your your Steam Deck and you can choose to boot into Windows or into the Steam OS. That's entirely possible with that machine. Um, so, uh, you know, I think it's, um, I think the flexibility that the machine gives you, uh, being an open platform, because effectively, and this is what Valve said in the interview with, with IGN, they said, don't think of it. It's better to just think of it as, as a PC with controllers, like attached to either side. That's what it is. It's just a PC, um, a really small, uh, powerful, capable one. Um, with Valve's branding, but that's all it is. So I think that's going to be the, the big advantage of it, being able to do really whatever you want with it. Uh, and if you just want to stay into into Steam and you don't ever want to deviate from that, it'll be a great machine. But I think it'll be a great machine outside of that as well. I think this is where battery life is another, another question, which I think is also been brought up as well, because I, I appreciate what you said. I do agree with that. But then I think this is the differing the difference between what the Steam Deck could become and what the switch currently is because especially when it comes to nintendo fast first party games um because very much you know nintendo know their system right and they've developed for uh, you know for the last four years now and a lot of the games that they them you know the first party stuff they've delivered has been has been developed in such a way that it does support short-term portable play as well as long-term you know when you have it docked or charged in a, you know on your tv or whatever you know, take Mario Odyssey, for example, where, you know, they made it so that if you are in portable play, you are able to just run around for a bit, collect a few of the moons that are in the game. And then, you know, you can stop there, put it down and carry on. But then there's a lot of PC games, which is the opposite, I would argue. There aren't many games out there which are developed for that short of play. They, you know, a lot of games on PC want you to be there for hours and hours and hours on end and maybe spending lots of money. But this is this is where I think, yes, it's great to have a portable machine, but then... Will people really take to wanting to play really long PlayStations while traveling? Because, you know, this, this is what I think the advantage of Switch is, because you can very quickly, you know, put it into uh, what you call like sleep mode or, or whatever else and quickly resume where you were. But then will the Steam Deck work the same way? If it does, then fantastic. But then will people want to play long sessions on a smaller screen when you could just play on a on a big screen? I mean, what's it, your take, Luke, I guess? Because you've got it, one, right? You've reserved one. <laughs> yeah, it does have a resume feature actually um it does. so it, okay. it, it does yeah built within steam os there is a a, a a resume feature for games uh it's not like quick resume for xbox but it is one where you can essentially pause wherever you're at in the game and then come out going to steam os and then put the you know put the steam deck down come back load it back up to where you were so they've actually demoed a bit of that um and we don't know how you know how um in depth that is you know what games it, does every game support that is just built in 
at a native level, don't know, but they have shown that that feature off. But I think, um, yeah, I mean, I think that the, the it's, I mean, it's a, it's a handheld platform, so it, it is what you make it, and whatever experience you want to have on it, you know, you'll you, that's the one you can have. Obviously, some people may use it just to play. Uh, get shorter games as you say like um, you know maybe some indie games it could just be a dedicated indie machine that would be a really cool machine in of itself um, for people like me I'll play everything on it um, you know I'll play AAA stuff and, and indies etc you know anything that, that's on my I was, was going to ask but... you about that if you don't mind actually because you know because I thought as far as I'm aware you do have a, a pretty new gaming PC right you know the 3018 stuff why would you yeah. play on the Steam Deck when you've got that laying around because uh, the Steam Deck is for occasions either one where I'm not here, right, where I'm not next to my PC, uh, or two. Sometimes, as weird as it sounds, uh, sometimes you don't want to sit down and you know go in a separate room and play, you know, on a PC. I do um, get that. Just I like, do get that. So you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, sometimes, I do, I do. sometimes like maybe I just want to sit in the living room on the settee and have the yeah. Steam Deck, but still play the game. Sometimes. You know, the big use case for me is I want to lay in bed and play Death Stranding or something like that. <laughs> like that's what I really want to do. Pick the right is it that, sleep is, is it, yeah. I was going to say, is it really that boring? Luke does raise a really interesting point there, though, because um, and not it's not a direct comparison, but in my uh, the, the way I see it fitting in, because I am interested in this, I haven't pre-ordered one simply because it's so bloody far away and i want to just see some of the reviews but from my experience the way i see it sort of fit fitting in is and even though i'm someone who doesn't have a particularly big steam library consists of football manager 2012 and cs 1.6 <laughs> something like that you know but um i'll often oh, yeah. find myself in the living room and that's where i'll use xcloud i use it on my laptop while maybe the missus is watching tv but i'm downstairs i've got i've hooked my control to to my laptop and i'm playing you know, games on xCloud. That's, that's where I saw see fitting in where I'm on the sofa, I'm chilling, or maybe I'm in bed and I'm using it that way. Um, in the same way that I don't play all my Xbox games on my 4K TV. I play them in different pl places in the house and sometimes, yeah. you know, in places where my Xbox isn't and it gives me that option. So it's about having that additional option. Yeah, and, and, and built into that is is in exactly the same way that xCloud works is the fact that SteamOS, you know, on the deck will support the full cross compatibility of, of cloud saves so you'll be able to you know use case again you know i'm gaming on desktop pc on whatever you know i don't know uh death stranding again um and then and then i can you know save that take the deck and then go into the bedroom or living room and load it up and load my save and away i go right so um you know that's it's it's, it's that kind of ease of use that I think is really compelling about it. And then obviously the actual, you know, predominant or one of the predominant use cases is when you're not at the PC, i.e. you're not at your house and you're traveling or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's just, it's a really interesting bit of hardware, I think. And it's it's garnered all sorts of reactions and I completely understand why, um, because it's, um, I don't think anybody really expected it this quickly and, you know, from Valve, who have a spotty history in hardware but i think if they if they get it right and it's a good piece of hardware which it looks like it is then i think it'll be a, a big success and and hopefully you know it'll pave the way for future iterations and maybe third party support 
in terms of um, you know taking the concept and, and developing their own versions, etc. Yeah, I think no, for, absolutely yeah. interesting, uh, and and you know, like I say, I think from an Xbox uh, fans' perspective, it, it, you know, it, as great as it is for PC gaming, I think there's a lot of people out there that have wanted Microsoft to to make a handheld device, and it just kind of seems like this this is kind of it. it. That's why I kind of put in the title that you know Microsoft's unofficial handheld device because it's almost like kind of Steam or Valve have done it for them now and they'd have to bother almost but uh, Pucks where did we get with the chat yeah I've got quite a few things saved there actually um, quite a few comments from a number of people so I'll start from the top Indie Gamer says the Steam Deck is an awesome device but I unfortunately don't have reason to own it I might have to book some holidays to justify it um, for Indie Gamer again for me it destroys the Switch um, Harley Harris, yeah, I was so tempted to pre-order, but I held off too. Fear of missing out almost got me. Uh, mm -hmm. Indie Gamer, as the only reason I have a Switch is for indies, and Steam is the ultimate indie collection. Uh, Ballman Gamer, not interested, not interested in the slightest in the Steam Deck or a Switch. Uh, She's the Elite says, I reserved one. It's going to be my little indie machine, and I'll be able to dock it to my TV as well. That's interesting because I ran a poll on Twitter. Um about you know if you're interested in buying it and it kind of came i was a little bit surprised we had 181 votes in the end but uh, yeah some people were definitely up for it um and, and others are going to see how it goes but the the not at all's kind of surprised me i thought we were going to have more people that say no not at all but um, only 16 percent of mm. of the 128 that voted but uh, yeah i thought they were quite interesting mm. numbers another comment here from stubbs gaming who says um sorry it might Sorry, I'll start again. Sub said, uh, it's a quick reply to a question from Indy earlier. So Sub says, it might Indy, but it will never destroy Switch in sales. Uh, Dr. Jonas28 says, we hardly use the Switch. So the novelty wore off quickly. Mm. Uh, Man Gamer, I didn't pay £500 for the Series X to play with a handheld device. Uh, she's no elite. I was happy the Steam Deck actually includes a case. They actually want you to take care of it, unlike Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Uh, indie gamer again. The Steam Deck is actually an awesome thing for people to be able to dive into PC gaming, especially if they don't own a big boy PC, which we've already discussed. Um, indie gamer again. The only worry is battery life, which I think I saw in the chat earlier. Apparently, the official statistic is that it ranges between two and eight hours. Obviously, game dependent. Uh, Dragon Wolf. I need a Steam Deck. Sorry, do I need a Steam Deck? No, but do I want a Steam Deck? Hell yeah. Uh, okay. Stubbs gaming. Steam Deck appeal will be niche. Nintendo Switch has no worries. Uh, she's the elite. I reserved the 512 gig, and I just noticed it says Q1 2022. Uh, nice. Stubbs, Stubbs Gaming. Steam won't be able to cope with the demand. They they have no foothold in hardware. Some people might get one until... Sorry, some people might not get one until 2023. Uh, and last again from Stubbs is, if I had the money to buy the Steam Deck or a Nintendo Switch, I would buy a Nintendo Switch hands down. Do you mind if we have a quick chat about the the Switch Steam Deck sort of comparisons? Because I have seen a lot of um, conversation around, you know, should Nintendo be worried or is the Steam Deck what the Switch Pro should have been and all these conversations. And I think it's probably important to maybe stay, at least in my opinion, that these two things, despite both being handhelds, they kind of cater for different markets and they can both coexist and they can both be successful. You know, this I don't necessarily think Nintendo are going to be worried about the Steam Deck and Valve certainly won't be worried about the Nintendo Switch, otherwise they wouldn't have 
release the bloody thing. But I, I don't necessarily think they're they're comparable hardware in in sort of any way, shape, or form, except for the fact, obviously, that they're they're both they're both handhelds. They, in my opinion, the Steam Deck is everything I want the Switch Pro to be, or whatever the next Switch was going to be, what turned out to be the OLED model. But I, I think. You know, these are catering for different markets, and I don't necessarily expect one to eat the lunch of, of the other or the Steam Deck to be successful or unsuccessful because of the Switch. You know, I, I think these are two very capable devices that have two completely different markets that can, like I say, both coexist. And I've, I've, you know, if the Steam Deck isn't successful, it's not because of the Switch. You know, it's maybe because the hardware wasn't good enough in the end, or compatibility wasn't good enough, or the battery life wasn't good enough. Um, I don't necessarily think they they sort of impact each each other. You know, Luke spoke about how you could potentially do things like dual booting OSs and things like that. That's the and uh, Luke also. I think you mentioned fact it was a, a niche market, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's small. I think that's absolutely right, and and that is a different market to the current Switch market. So I don't think Switch owners are really interested in dual booting, but I think somebody who picks up a Steam yeah. Deck would certainly be interested in that sort of thing. Uh, and you look at the buzz that we've had so far. I mean, like I said earlier, I tried to um, to pre-order one. It's, it's already a year's delay on the on the top end model for for these things. So the, I think actually, if you look at the Steam chart which works on dollar sales. Um, I believe the Steam Deck, despite the fact people are only paying four pounds or whatever, is already in the top 10 in terms of dollar sales for the past week or something like that. So it's, it's obviously had a, 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 it's got a lot of interest, but I think that interest is a different market entirely um, to those who are maybe interested in the Switch and particularly maybe the OLED model that's going to be coming later this year. Yeah, yeah no, I completely agree. You know, they, they exist in different spheres. They've got a different setup of games. I know it's gaming in general, but um, yeah, they're, they're different things. And to compare them isn't really fair on either machine, in all honesty, because, you know, obviously from a from a Switch point of view, the, the, the Steam Deck is, is, is vastly more powerful and stuff. But from a software yeah. point of view, um, you know, people who love Nintendo games, we're on, a, we're on a Switch and stuff. So, you know, they are they, they operate in a similar sphere, but they're just different, you know, different devices completely yeah. um, to cater into different audiences and if you're someone that likes both then i i I suggest you probably like them both but for different reasons i'm guessing yeah but um yeah no fantastic uh pucks where are we with the competition can you give uh, people just a bit of a reminder before we move on no problem at all so uh update for anyone who's new listening into the show so wakanda in the chat has been very kind to offer us a xbox game pass ultimate one month code to give away to one lucky person tonight uh, and Wakanda's also made up the rules for this. So Wakanda himself has chosen a golden number between 1 and 1,000. And all you have to do in the chat is to have a guess uh, and to pick a number between 1 and 1,000. And whoever is the closest, if not gets it bang on, will be our lucky winner tonight. So if you'd like a chance of winning a one-month uh, Game Pass Ultimate code, uh, putting your guesses in chat, a number between one and one thousand. I'm collating numbers as they come in, as they have been coming in. Uh, and by the end of the show, we shall review who the lucky winner is. So, uh, best of luck, everybody. Fantastic. Yes, best of luck. And that concludes topic two, everyone. So, thank you for your your comments and, and the chat for for chiming in. It has it has been quite a divisive one. This one, you know, people are either absolutely for the Steam Deck and, and desperately want one, or, or people seem quite indifferent to it. Or, you know, I guess a little bit like me, there, there are a few quite quite a few cautious people out there as well because I think you know stats on paper is is all very well one thing, but you know if if we're if we're playing. Um, 
Xbox games on Game Pass or, or, or any kind of games and they're not performing particularly brilliantly through whatever reason, um, then that will be a deciding factor for many people. There's always early adopters and I take my hat off to those guys because, um, yeah, sometimes they get the best deals. You know, they, they, they've been playing some hardware before it actually goes mainstream and stuff. But, uh, yeah. Okay, well, that's fantastic. Well, I thought we'd move on to topic three, and this is just a bit of a fun one, really, and please get involved, chat. Um, this is basically where Xbox goes next because, um, you know, I think it's undeniable that they've had a fantastic year so far um, in their own right. Uh, comparing it to other companies and stuff, I'm not really into that. It doesn't particularly bother me. I think Xbox, like I say, in their own right has had a fantastic year so far. Um, they seem to have some big plans, and, it, and it's where those plans are kind of heading to the future, and we, we've done this topic a few times but uh, Phil Spencer and Matt Booty discussed this week about the uh, prospect of you know further acquisitions in the deal um, and I think many people have speculated that it could be something like TT da- uh, Games or NetherRealm Studios um, but there's lots of other studios out there perhaps we'll come to you first Luke if that's okay um, I know we've had this conversation but is there anything obvious that you think might be on the um, shopping list from Microsoft and also do you think that if acquisitions are inbound, that they've already begun because um, we're already into the new financial year in the States. Do you think that these deals would have been closed out at the tail end of the last financial year for the States? Um, so I think uh, in terms of where, you know, where they can go, um, I, I don't really, like I look at what they've done and where they are, and I don't. I, I genuinely don't think that they can really do much more other than give us more of the things they've already done. If you see what I mean, um, you know the, the the big issue that they had years ago um, was the fact that their first party was just totally dreadful, um, just in terms of quality and quantity. Um, that's completely changed now. Uh, obviously, we're we're still waiting on the fruits of that, so to speak. But it's it's right around the corner. You know, we, we, that's going to happen at the end of the year, and then from then on, it's just, you know, it's 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 all games all the time. So um, you, that was that was a big thing. Um, hardware was an issue back in the Xbox One era, right at the beginning. They quickly changed that, and they've you know done fantastically this this generation um uh you know so i think they will continue to expand their first party as you say um you know it's um it makes sense to do that um i don't think they have a number they want to fix out or stop at i think mm. they will just look and and see okay what's available you know will it add to to game pass with the concept of, of what game pass is you know, and as you say, it might be it might be big studios. It could be stuff like Neverrealm if if uh, you know WB decides they're up for sale or not. Um, and it, it could be ones that are a lot smaller. Um, you know, they, they they won't rule anything out. I don't think they'll look for the best deal. I mean, in terms of acquisitions, I think you know certainly if there's any acquisitions that are in the offing, they they'll they'll be in the pro in the process of doing that now. Um, they take a long time to actually close. Um, you know, like any. Like any merger or acquisition, it takes a, it takes a considerable amount of time to. to but but would it? But, but, get to but would end. the decision to acquire more studios happen perhaps in the final quarter of the financial year? Do you think where they've got some spare cash, as it were? Um, is that the kind of time that you think we're looking at? 
No, no. Uh, it could happen. Okay. You know, they can do it. They, they do it anytime. I think if they, I mean, look, it, I think you're probably right in that if they had something that was um, in the offing towards the end of the financial year, you would like, you know, having <laughs> having worked on like acquisitions for U.S. private equity firms, which is a different thing, but it's you know still sort of the same. Um, they're always super eager to close them before the end of the financial year. Um, like it's just a fact of life. Everybody wants to do it before then. So you start the financial year with a clean slate. Um, I think anything that Microsoft have got on, I think it's very organic for them. I don't think they're, they're beholden to any, you know, we want to get it done before this time, or we want to start it at this time. It's just, where's the opportunity, right? What, you know, who's out there? Um, what's the kind of price we could get for this, you know, uh, company, that sort of thing. So um, I, I'm, sh I'm sure that before the end of the year, they will probably announce at least another acquisition. Um, I'd be surprised if they didn't. Um, calendar year. You, yes, calendar year. But, yeah, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, and who that is, who knows, right? But, um, you know, that the, the, if, if you had to pick one, who, who, who would you like, them, like to see? Um, if I had to pick one, um, I think if I was looking at it and saying who's a really good natural fit in terms of the what they've done with Microsoft and the kind of product they put out uh, and the kind of variation, it'd probably be a Sobo. Oh, that's um, the one I was going to pick. Yeah. yeah, I think that that makes as much sense as something like um, Housemark does for PlayStation, right, at this point. Yeah. I think it's, it's kind yeah. of right up that alley. Um, they've worked really closely with them. Um, they've shown a you know a propensity to develop really different, unique products from flight sim to Plague's Tale, right? Um, they well, they've certainly shown their chops. Yeah, they've yeah. certainly shown their chops in flight sim, haven't they? My God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. They have fantastic you know graphics technology. Um, uh, but didn't a, Tencent recently invest in them? I thought uh, I read something it, that it, Tencent it was a percentage twenty like percent yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's an interesting point, actually. So, so you know, let's let's assume or let's let's take that as a fact that Tencent have actually acquired you know twenty percent. Does that actually stop an acquisition at, at, at this point? No, no. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, how do they get around that? Uh, well, they go to they go to Tencent and they say, "How much do you want for your shares?" Oh, okay. Um, just so, okay. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's what they do. I think I think I read the Tencent one might have been some debt financing, which is a little different. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So I, I could be wrong on that. I'm sure I read it was debt financing, in which case Tencent probably haven't acquired any any. Well, they may have acquired a small state, but debt financing is essentially lend us some money. Um, but but seeing as Tencent are, are a kind of let's call it a direct competitor, they're in a similar industry and 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 market. Um, could they decide that they don't actually want to sell those shares, and does that bring the deal to an end, or, or is there a way around it? No, they they could. Um, or, uh, a lot of that depends on the terms of a shareholders agreement, which will no doubt have been right. signed if Tencent okay. have taken a taken an investment, and that will determine there are. I won't go into super detail. There are things, things called drag and tag rights, usually in shareholders' agreements, that dictate that if certain offers come in, then shareholders can be dragged out with everybody else. So they have to sell their shares at market value, essentially, or, or you know, for a similar value as everybody else is being acquired for. So um, 
who knows with that one, right? If if stuff like that's not there, then Tencent can absolutely just say, well, no, we're not going to sell our shares, so tough. Although, you know, the the difference, I guess, in that scenario is it wouldn't necessarily stop Microsoft from buying the majority of the company because they could do. And then also with that, they would effectively have complete control uh, to some extent. So, um, you know, it could happen. But, but yeah, I mean, it, like outside of all those technicalities, I think a server will be would be the the closest fit um but there i mean there are lots of companies like that right there are lots of of other companies that i think would be really good with microsoft um but it just it just depends on the circumstances and you know if those companies want to be independent or not and um for some it'll make more sense than others you know some may not want to become part of microsoft yeah. although i think that list is slowly getting a bit smaller now just because it's great to have financial security and be able to just make your projects without that worry yeah, no, completely agree. Boxenberg, we'll come to you next if that's okay. Um, is there any other particular development studios that think that would would align nicely with Microsoft if they were to get the checkbook out again? <laughs> uh, that's a, that's a question I, I get asked a lot. Um, which one mm. should Microsoft acquire next? If you had um, to pick one, what would it be? <laughs> if I had to pick one, I would be. I'd love to see a, a German studio in there. So I pick Crytek. Okay. Yeah, um, nice. Crytek has been in financial troubles a lot um, over the last decade, um, so they would definitely benefit from that from a financial perspective. And um, I mean, they had a close relationship when they developed Rise, yeah. And ever since, mm. they have only released one game, and that was um, The Hunt, yeah. So. Um, Obviously, they they are not uh, capable of putting out many games right now. But yeah, uh, the technology that they have, the the, the Cry Engine is is really awesome. And uh, Microsoft talked a lot about um, how they want to have studios all around the world from all parts of the um, yeah. of the of the globe. And um, yeah, Germany is missing right now in the. <laughs> roster so yeah um, that would be definitely something there were rumors about marcus you know acquiring crytek wasn't there not so long ago i think i think we have heard now rumors about almost every um, yeah that's true yeah <laughs> developer or publisher yeah we have heard rumors about them acquiring ubisoft or something so yeah no that's true yeah. i just i just remember thinking at the time it'd be like my god they got the ed engine they'd have the cry engine and they you know they'd be there'd be some serious you know engines that they could build games with if, they, if that were to happen yeah yeah okay no, that's fair enough uh, scott anything particular that you think you'd like to see uh, that would you know realistically happen i think out of the rumored um acquisitions that have that have been spoken about recently i think the one that stands out to me is probably nether realm um okay. especially considering microsoft do seem open to purchase and oh, sorry not purchase them but reviving the killer instinct franchise and they simply yeah, just do yeah. not have a developer uh, and there are very few fighting game developers out there these days, you know, um, uh, at least available to to work on a game like Killer Instinct, and um, yeah, so I, I think NetherRealm they'd obviously then get the Mortal Kombat uh, franchise, and I'll, yeah, I guess yeah. be a counter to Sony um, seemingly locking up Street Fighter. Although we don't know what's happening with Street Fighter Six, but certainly the deal with Street Fighter Five, and it wouldn't surprise me too much if Six was went a similar way. So yeah, I think NetherRealm, and um, I don't 
re- I can't really think of a studio off the, ch- off the top of my head, if I'm being honest, but just something to maybe, you know, work on something like a banjo, you know, something a little bit different yep. to their um, current portfolio of games. Um, something, you know, a studio that go out and something like a new Viva Pinata, something that caters towards that maybe a younger uh, generation, a, a younger market would, would certainly be, be up there as well. And I think Phil Spencer has spoken about that and wanting to, um, uh, wanting to have more games for that sort of, uh, for that market. So I, I certainly see them going that way. Um, I, I just don't know who that could be, though. I think really at this point, it's it's getting difficult, isn't it? Because they've already got a lot of genres covered. They've already got a lot of studios. They're not just going to buy someone for the sake of buying someone. Um, so they've really got to be really careful about who it is that they go and acquire if they do um, and how they fit into their portfolio of games. I, no, we'll, we'll be but coming out you- over the next couple of years. Do you not think that someone like Telltale Games with the, you know, the Lego series and stuff really kind of buys into, you know, the the, the E for everyone type games that they're kind of missing at the moment, do you think? Yeah, that, that, that that's an option. I, I imagine the Lego sort of deal wouldn't come along with them, um, especially considering a lot of them are, I guess, Lego games based on existing franchises. So, but obviously, there's developers that are uh, talented making of those types of games, so that could translate over to the, to that sort of market. So, yeah, that, that, that's abs- that's absolutely possible as well. Uh, whether they go ahead and acquire two studios from WB is obviously an, uh, another matter entirely. I think that would be pretty pricey, especially considering the amount of money that EA had to had to part with to buy the mobile developer from from WB as well. So. Yeah, those two would certainly make sense, and I think they would fill two quite big gaps in their existing portfolio. Yeah, no, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? And, you know, I, I'm guessing we're all getting a little bit sick and tired of the same names keep cropping up and stuff, and, it, you know, it would be nice to have some some further clarification on this. Uh, Puxley, is there anything else you want to add? Do you think there would become a point where it's sort of Microsoft a little oversaturated with so many first-party titles? Is that is that a thing, do you think? Only if a lot of these genres are similar, I think. Um, okay. Similar to what um, Scott was just saying there. Um, I think one of the biggest gaps currently, I think this goes for mostly both PlayStation and Xbox, I believe, is is those old school platformers that I'm a massive fan of. Um, you don't get many of those kind of proper, kind of, you know, for all ages, family-friendly platformers or similar titles anymore. Um, and as Scott just said then, I think like a resurrection of Banjo-Kazooie or something similar or a new IP because... Um, I think would be a perfect fit on on all platforms. Uh, and I think PlayStation, for example, even though it's a glorified tech demo, I think um, is it Astro Bot, Astro Boy, whatever it's called, or is it just Astro Astro's Playroom? Astro's, sorry. Astro's Playroom, yeah, that's the latest one. Yeah. Like I've seen so many people play that, and you know, to the point where people are speed running it and saying that it, it, you know, this is a perfect mascot for a full for a full length platforming title, and I think. I just think there needs to be either a resurrection of characters or new characters, especially in Microsoft's pocket, that that should fill that gap because I think there is such an appetite for it and the only people that are feeling that appetite so far are a very minute number of indie devs which are you know developing and releasing on console. So I've, I'd like to believe that that is where kind of a genre gap could be filled because um, it's been missing for a long time, I think. But yeah, if you've got all of these you know 23-plus studios mostly developing you know, third-person horror games or first-person FPS games, and, you know, we see loads of those. So I'd like to see something a bit new and different or, as I say, resurrecting older genres. In fairness to both Sony and Microsoft, um, whilst they don't have, a like, a huge 
um, first party presence on stuff like, you know, classic 3D platformers. Um, you know, Microsoft have Double Fine, uh, and that's their yeah. effectively their bread and butter. Um, yeah. You know, they make quite quite out their stuff, and and you know, Sony, uh, as you say, Astrobot, I think it is becoming uh, a platform mascot for them, and they specifically, you know, <laughs> even when shutting down uh, Sony Japan, kept and and beefed up Team Asobi, effectively to specifically work on fully fledged, you know, Astrobot game so uh, but i do agree maybe i think for microsoft you know another developer like double fine would be very good um specifically one to work on some of the classic kind of rare ips that they have in their back pocket um i think a lot of people kind of suggested someone like platonic for example uh which yeah, obviously makes a lot of sense in terms of what they what they develop but equally they left microsoft specifically you know, they were ex-Rare developers specifically to get away from that. Now, obviously, the Microsoft now, or the Xbox now, is, is very different to the one they left. So um, it may be something that, that's been looked at, but we'll, we'll just have to see. But again, that would be a very natural um, fit, I guess, because Platonic would just be allowed to make what they want. Did you think Microsoft was good as they were, and they will just leave devs to go and do what they want? Um, you know, creatively, because I know there was a fear, I think VJ mentioned it a long time ago um, mm. about how he was kind of concerned how, you know, Microsoft have broken studios in the past and they've tried to get involved. Uh, and obviously yeah. it seems it seems like now that there's so many studios that they literally can't get involved. They, they, they have to let the studios get on and create a thing. And I'm guessing, you know, Game Pass helps ease that burden as well to a certain degree because, you know, you don't have to constantly chase the dollar from the beginning. Do you think Microsoft will actually be as good as their word and ease off the, the sort of the pressure on developers to develop a, a certain kind of thing? Is that to Luke. me or Pox? Yeah, oh, sorry, yeah, No, no, no worries. Uh, no, I've, I think so. Yeah, I think they've. Sh- I think they've probably shown that already, right? Um, hmm. You know, th- there doesn't seem to have been any particular influence that you could see. Um, you know, it's it's even little things like you know Obsidian making Avowed, uh, whilst you know they're acquiring BGS, and obviously they'll have an Elder Scrolls. And I know Phil, I think the other day or Matt Booty, one of them talked about how they're they're a bit different in terms of games, but you know, I think that, you, you know, maybe the Microsoft of old wouldn't want two fantasy RPGs, you know, made by people who have made fantasy RPGs a lot in their portfolio. You know, they'd, they'd probably push one towards something else, right? Um, so I think that's I think that's promising. And uh, the proof is in the pudding as we go further along, you know. Um, but it, certainly you, you cannot see them. You know, the the one I always go back to is stuff like Double Fine, right? There's no way Microsoft are going to go to Tim Schafer and go, oh, we've got a really good idea that you can work on. And it's just like something that Double Fine would never make. Um, I think they recognize that when they're bringing these creatives on board, that first of all, Microsoft have had that reputation and they're trying to get away from it. And secondly, that mm. you can't just force studios to make those kind of games. They won't come out, you know, they won't, they won't result in good games. Um, just let them make what they want to make. And I think that's the best thing they can do. And as you say, the risk factor is really low now because you've got Game Pass. So it doesn't really matter. You're not chasing sales. You know, you're not chasing trends. You're just chasing stuff that keeps people invested in that system, in that ecosystem. 
Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Um, Boxenberg, I'll just come to you. We're just going to round up the show in a sec, but there's just one last little topic I'd like to cover, and it's, it's one that we've talk, covered a few times. I know Puxy's got some thoughts around this, but Phil Spencer was talking about uh, game preservation and stuff and, and things like Game Pass as, as a way of preserving games, but obviously there was, there was some backlash saying, well, that's not actually a game that you ever own, and you're kind of held to ransom by by the owner of that service. Uh, what What's your thought on game preservation and stuff like that? Because I know Nintendo are quite guilty of kind of not preserving their games and allowing you to, to sort of play those those games on future devices and stuff. What, what do you think the future is for game preservation? Should, should there be more focus from the platform holders on this side of things? Definitely. Uh, I mean, the, the game preservation um, aspect of uh, for Microsoft uh, is like best on market right now. Um, of course, that you can always bring up PC where game preservation isn't an issue per se, but um, in the console space, um, what Microsoft does is just awesome um, with with their game with their backward compatibility program. And I would love for other um, uh, platform holders to adopt there. Um, they can both learn uh, in the, in that field. Um, I think gaming has really become this this art form that we all enjoy. That is not just something that that is a um, is is something that will disappear in the next couple of years. I remember like 20, 30 years ago, um, gaming was still seen as this thing that is just for kids and um is, is something that, that that we will grow out of but this is just not happening gaming is becoming bigger and bigger it is the is the most important uh um it's it's the most um profitable um entertainment form right now yeah it makes uh we, we have more revenue in in gaming than in, in music or um movies and um in in music or movies we don't really have to have that discussion we can listen to songs from like 50 60 100 years ago now yeah we don't have that um but we but but with gaming it's different and i know that we probably don't play all these games um on a regular basis um but there is some nostalgia for us gamers that grew up with with certain games that we played like 30 35 years ago um and then there is of course that interesting aspect for for kids these days um for them being able to go back and experience the first video game ever made pong yeah or something like that that is something um, we definitely should consider and i would appreciate it if if there were would be a, a certain commitment from all the platform holders um for for game preservation yeah it's an interesting point because you know one of my favorite games well one of the games that actually made me buy a mega drive or a genesis system was a game called castle of illusion mickey mouse castle of illusion and um my my original <laughs> have you did you say you never heard of it 
Never heard of it. Oh, okay. No, it's Seriously? called Castle of Illusion. I don't. <laughs> well, no, it might have had a, no, uh, no, it might have had a different title uh, outside of the UK. I don't know. Um, oh, there was point. a follow-up called uh, World of Illusion, which was even better. It's actually a two-player co-op, couch co-op, and stuff. Um, and I was so pleased when um, I could play Castle of Illusion on the. I think it was the Xbox 360. It came to Xbox mm-hmm. Arcade, and it's like, oh, that's fantastic. It's so great to be able to play that and brought back lots of memories. And uh, and you kind of forget the clunkiness of the game because of obviously games and particularly the controls evolve and it's very easy to forget how kind of awkward games were in the past <laughs> compared to compared to nowadays but um yeah i think game preservation is very um very important but and obviously one thing that obviously is unique to to the gaming industry is obviously it's the platform that you play on unlike movies and you know sound and audio you can pretty much play them on anything but obviously you need the hardware that's compatible to play those games obviously that's where game emulation comes in and stuff but it's never quite the same um because like puxley was saying there's always that added layer of having to to emulate on top of the an operating system already um that just sort of screws things up but um Probably one of the other things that the PC deck's going to be used for is probably game emulation, not always. But uh, Puxley, um, I know you've got lots of um, thoughts and opinions around game preservation and stuff like that. I don't think you're a massive fan of, of digital only. Um, is this important for everyone? Because, you know, again, you're a Nintendo fan. How, how do you feel as a Nintendo fan with a lot of the IP that's, well, not IP, but a lot of the games that just sort of drifted away that you can no really no longer play really anymore? Sorry, so what's the, what's the question specifically, sorry? Or do you think most, um, well, in fact, all platform holders should really probably take game preservation more seriously than they currently do? And if so, kind of how are they going to do that, I guess? Because, you know, PlayStation has PS Now that you can play backwards compatible titles to a certain degree. But, um, you know, I don't think Nintendo has any quite, quite anything like that, does it? It doesn't, no, which is unfortunate. But 100%, I, I do believe that, you know, these companies should you know, try to at least uh, respect their own history and heritage, I guess, because a lot of, you know, all of us here on the panel and most in chat, you know, we've we've grown up playing these old titles, which you just said yourself, you know, Mickey Mouse, Cars of Illusion, which, you know, to my own surprise, which rightly or wrongly, you know, our communities hasn't heard of, which is which is fair enough. But, but then for me, I think if there's an old title out there that we love that someone else has never heard of, which is perfectly fine, you know, I'd like to hope that, you know, if, if preservation was taken more seriously to the point where these things could be played on on the platforms that were more freely available to, to play or to purchase, that, you know, anyone could go out there and play them. And I think this is a perfect example, right? Because it, unless unless uh, Archimedes is willing to go to the Xbox Arcade or whatever it is and, and pay for it, if it is on the X Series X or if it's on PC or whatever else, then that's fine. But I'm sure there are many other titles out there which you can't do that. And I think, I, think, I, I suppose... Nintendo are the worst for it. How many times have we all bought Super Mario Bros over the years? <laughs> you know, and we've all played the same game. I've, not many people probably completely finished the title, but everyone's finished Worlds One and Two, I guess. And that's that goes for a lot of their other IP as well. Um, and I think I suppose it, uh, the other people that uh, the other company, I, I guess, is also Sony and PlayStation. They've got a, a massive history, and I, I'd argue that you know, with the PlayStation One era, they definitely kickstarted that whole. The whole era of 3D gaming, right? I mean, I know Nintendo obviously mm, had yeah. a massive input as well, but given how popular the PlayStation One was, you know, you could argue that it was actually, you know, Sony PlayStation One which really kickstarted that era of, of of 3D gaming, and you know, developers figuring out how to create games in a 3D space. You know, there's so many flops, but there's so many fantastic gems out there, which. You know, it's, I suppose a good example more recently has been the remakes of Crash Bandicoot and Spyro the Dragon. There's been so mm-hmm. many people who 
maybe not so much Crash, I guess, but especially younger, uh, the younger audience out there who may have never heard of Spyro the Dragon. When the, that's a perfect character for people of all ages to enjoy, right? And, and it, you know, it's a shame we all have to wait for a remake for this thing to be discovered, or as you say, you know, have to wait for a, the the sister, or you know, these platform. Sorry for these games to be released on platforms such as PS Now, which I don't even think they exist on. So I think that's the that's the biggest gripe, I think, for a lot of of the of us older gamers, I guess, or people in the you know, twenties and thirties and beyond that have that have that vast memory and and experiences of playing those older titles and you'd think, Oh man, I'd love to show my kids this or show my friends this old game I used to love, but just knowing that you can't play it right and you think even if it's through emulation, I think it's just just a bit more effort, I think, on the um on these developers' parts to just try to emulate these systems and to be able to to, to be able to play these old games, I think that, I think I think these companies are onto a winner. I mean, and definitely Xbox are on the right track. You know, if they can if they can uh, put together all the resources to basically emulate, uh, you know, to run 360 titles, you know, <laughs> why can't Nintendo emulate N64 or GameCube? You know, I mean, I know you can say arguably on the Switch is less powerful and emulation does take a bit more. You know, a bit more horsepower under the hood, so I can I can understand the Switch potentially ignoring it if it is a genuine hardware issue. But Sony on the PS5 have absolutely no issue whatsoever to be, you know, technically and hardware spec wise. While they couldn't emulate these systems, but then again, it's I suppose the other side of the coin. It all comes back down to you know these companies' philosophies, right? About you know they don't want to be stuck constantly in the past. It's they want to create brand new experiences, I guess. And I, I suppose. In a way, you know, if you do try to maybe ignore some of the past, does that potentially make room for creativity elsewhere? Perhaps, perhaps not. I don't know. Because I think there's so many titles which do come out which take a lot of inspiration from older titles. I know, especially in the indie scene, there's a lot of um, indie devs now, especially on websites like HIO, which are taking a lot of heavy inspiration from the PS1 era and, you know, are creating PS1-style graphics because they've realised that actually it's not too difficult now with the modern tools to to create and emulate but actually it creates a fun and retro experience um so I, f- I think there is a remit for these companies to do so but then i can also understand why they don't want to especially in, as i say in sony's court because they want to focus on the brand new experiences right and why would you want to be you know why would you put your resources into creating an emulator for three different systems of your of your past when you could just focus on all the brand new stuff of the now you know so I can understand both sides as to why you wouldn't, but I do think there's a lot of merit in why you should, because otherwise there's a lot of fantastic titles which you just can't play. And I think even... Yeah. I appreciate I'm talking a lot, sorry. But um, yeah, cool. I think Sony's also a good example um, of games where games will technically be lost forever, because we've seen... I imagine a lot of people may have seen articles uh, regarding Sony originally going to close down the PS3, PS Vita, and PSP stores. And with that, you actually completely lose access to titles that are only available on those storefronts. Now, I know that the PS3 and the PS Vita got kept alive, but the PSP uh, did get shut down, I believe, as of July the 2nd, I think it was. And I think there was a number of titles on there which have been lost to the era. Uh, you know, well, been lost to the uh, been lost to the cloud, I guess you could say, in the, the digital graveyard. Um which is a shame, but this is why I keep kind of double-playing myself here, because when I see some of these titles, you think, yeah, but nobody's really going to miss them. So <laughs> so this is the thing. I think there's definitely a massive market for preservation, but then to a degree, there's a lot of titles out there I just think a lot of gamers would just would not care enough about to the point it's not worth the effort. Do you get what I mean? So 
I'm, I'm stuck in the middle myself here, as you can probably tell, but <laughs> there's a lot of reasons for well, it and a lot of reasons against it, I think. Yeah, there's there's always going to be a fan of, of the most sort of, um, sort of far out, you know, wacky kind of titles. There's going to be an absolute fan for those that, you know, virtually no one else is kind of heard of or, or, or bothered about. Uh, and you know, and you're going to spend time and effort for that particular game, probably not. I think it comes down to the platform, doesn't it? For so someone yeah. like Microsoft obviously have, um, cloud gaming now they could do a lot of the emulation if they needed to. But thankfully, Microsoft were uh, quite forward thinking when they come to choosing their hardware hardware designs um, from the Xbox onwards and so you know game emulation for them isn't such the deal that it is for PlayStation with things like the cell processor on the PS3 and stuff like that but they, you know it is obviously doable and they they've got PS now um, where you can play those sort of games or sort of streaming and stuff um, and I know things like Heavy Rain was uh, recoded for the PS4 and stuff so there is there is an element of PlayStation doing that but there are lots of titles out there I just I think I guess there's going to be an element where you just have to lose those titles forever and they're gone but um, yeah I just it was an interesting argument really and like I said I think Microsoft with their Game Pass platform um, is, is kind of a kind of an interesting way for them to be able to preserve some of these games it's just that you actually physically never own that game so as and when the service ever closes those games are kind of lost yet again to a certain degree but um fantastic okay pucks uh where are we with the competition um do we have a winner yes we do um so i had 12 people give me numbers and wakanda's golden number was 569 and the person who guessed with only two away with 567 was harley harris so congratulations, oh, Harley well Harris. Done. You are our winner tonight for our one-month Xbox uh, Game Pass Ultimate code. Congratulations. Fantastic. Harley, if you are on Twitter, uh, DM me, and I will send you the code for you to um, be able to claim the uh, the one-month Game Pass Ultimate. Uh, that's fantastic. Yeah, excellent. Well done, Harley. Congratulations. Thank you, T. Uh, Wakanda, for the kind donation yet again. He's done quite a few of those. Really grateful. Appreciate that, my friend. Thank you very much. Um, and thank you to the panel. That kind of wraps up our show. Um, and we'll do a bit of a roll call. We'll come to you first, Boxenberger, if that's okay. Thank you for being here, my friend. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, there was some chat in there about people that wanted to follow you on Twitter and stuff. So um, where can everyone find you? Yeah, first of all, thanks again for having me on the show. Uh, it's always a blast here on the panel with Paxley, um, with Luke, with you, of course. Uh, it's it's always awesome to be here. Uh, you guys are driving so knowledgeable discussions. It's it's really awesome to be here as a guest. And yeah, people can find me basically everywhere at Boxenberger. Um, of course, Twitter, Xbox Live, PlayStation, and on here on YouTube, where I have my small but uh, yeah, slowly growing uh, Uber, uh, super, uh, YouTube channel. Pardon me. It's getting late, late over here. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, again, thanks for having me. Uh, I hope to be back uh, rather sooner than later. Um, and yeah, I, again, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Well, thank you for being here. And anyone, uh, again, I say this quite frequently, but I can't believe anyone listening to this show doesn't know your work, Boxenberger. But just in case, absolutely check out his videos on YouTube. He he covers topics that that you don't really see anywhere else. Uh, the, the Disney one really interested me. Actually, that was a few weeks ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Just go and go and ch- yeah, go and check those out because you just don't see that stuff anywhere else, and, and and it's really well done. And you've you've treated yourself to a new PC to thank be you. able to thank you so process much. it. Probably 
probably process it faster than anything else. But uh, yeah, no, fantastic. Not a problem at all, my uh, friend. It doesn't really process faster in 4K60, but at least the quality is better then. I just realized, uh, thanks for, for pointing it out to me here in the, in the DM. Uh, I, I mentioned to, uh, that it's always a pleasure to be on the panel with Scott as well. When I listed the, the panel, I went over Scott. So, sorry here. <laughs> <laughs> No problem. I don't think Scott will hold it against it. It's fine. No, not at all. I mean, he's not at all. Thank you very much, Matt. Well, while we're at Scott, thank you for being here, my friend. Um, hope you enjoyed the topics. Uh, it's, it's always a sort of a struggle to know what to cover. Sometimes if it's a popular gaming week, um, you, you kind of feel like you're covering all the topics every other podcast ever ever covered. And if it's yeah. a quiet topic week, it's sometimes difficult to sort of come up with the topics. But uh, no, I hope you've had a blast. I definitely yeah. had as always, yeah, always had a, always had a, a lot of fun on the show, and, and Archimedes, um, absolute pleasure having you on the show, mate. Um, yeah, we we need to get you on a little bit more frequently, I think, because um, I, I love listening to Archimedes, love um, watching his videos as well. So please come back sooner. I, I definitely will. Thank you. Yeah, no, we'll definitely make that happen. Absolutely, Luke. Thank you for being here, my friend. Um, anything, any particular topic that stood out for you tonight? Um, I think the Steam Deck one was was really good. Yeah. Um, I could have guessed you might have said that. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's all Steam Deck all the time for me at the minute. So it's all <laughs> like I got a bed thinking about the Steam Deck, uh, which is quite sad. Um, but uh, no, that that was a good one because it kind of elicits a lot of uh, really interesting discussion, which I always very much appreciate. Um, but all the topics really enjoyable. Um, Awesome chat as always. Obviously, you know, I love hanging out with, with you guys and, and, and Archimedes, you know, so knowledgeable and fantastic to, to have him on. And again, I echo what everybody else has said. Please go and check out his videos because they are really, really good and, and even more high quality now that he's entered the, the PC <laughs> Master Race. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, so uh, pleasure as always. Thank you. Fantastic. No problem at all. Well, excellent. Puxley, thank you for being my wingman, ran the competition, ran the chat. What uh, what topic got you fired up for tonight's show? Uh, similar to Luke, actually. I really enjoy talking about the Stream yeah. Deck. Uh, stream Deck. The Steam Deck, yeah. I should say. Well, I keep um, saying that there is an Elgato Stream Deck for streamers. Yes, there is. So yeah. that is gonna, yeah, that and is Google keeps confusing. also correcting me as well, which is exactly. annoying. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's picked up on Steam Deck yet, although it probably has by now. Yeah, the SOE yeah. hasn't kind of picked up on it yet. Yeah, but yeah, despite my comments on that, I was saying with Luke on the Steam Deck, I I, I am very much looking forward to it as well. So, uh, haven't pre-ordered one yet. I'm not in the re not in the region to pre-order yet, but I say similar to Scott, I'm looking forward to the reviews and uh, looking forward to seeing what comes of it. But yeah, very much enjoyed the show tonight. Great panel, um, as everyone else has already said. Archimedes, great to have you on as always. And everyone, please check out his Twitter and YouTube. Great content on both of those platforms. And uh, I'm sure we'll see you all next week. And thank you very much for tuning in. Although I have one quick cream here from uh, Super Cosmic Puma who's asked us, what's happened to the confessions? Um, but Yeah, uh, no, well, good question. <laughs> uh, I, I think I think the confessions might actually be a show that we need to do in its own right, if that makes sense. Um, I'll have a think about that. We'll, we'll, either, we'll either keep it as part of the Sunday podcast or we'll actually do a separate show for the confessions because I really do enjoy those. And it's going to be nice because I don't think... Oh, actually, you know, we did have uh, Boardman Gamer, actually, didn't we? I was about to say, I don't think we had a guest doing confessions, but we did have Boardman Gamer doing those. And I've got a good I've got a good one lined up for next time. So, uh, no, we will be doing the confessions because I think most people enjoy those. 
Oh, definitely. And Fantastic. I've seen a few people in the chat looking forward to us doing a community game night at some point with just the uh, a, you know small subset of the GPG family as we speak. So I know you said about potentially setting up something for this game maybe later in the week, but uh, we'll check everyone's availability and let you all know in the uh, chat as well. So yeah, thank you very much for tuning in. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, this game is split gate. It is free to play. It's not aggressive on skins and the battle passes and stuff. It's still a relative. Well, <laughs> it is a relatively new game when it comes to consoles. It's been that since 2019 on PC, apparently. But um, it's new on consoles as of this week. Uh, and it was in demo, um, but it's now actually a full release. So uh, definitely check it out if you've liked the gameplay footage. Um, me and the rest of the GPG crew will be playing this game. And if you fancy taking us on in a 4-4, to four, let us know. Uh, that's going to be fantastic. I am not here next week. I am away for a short but um, self-declared, well-earned break um, just for the weekend. So the GPG crew will hopefully still be here, but probably with a different host. But um, we have a plethora of people to choose from, that all the more than capable of hosting this show to a fantastic standard and degree. So, um, yes, thank you very much, everyone, for being here. It's always been a pleasure. Um, it's been great. We've had fun and safe gaming, and we will see you on the next one.